Thanks. 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 Um, basically my interest is in empowering the young people especially mm. obviously it's not even especially obviously I just want to empower people who may be the mm. underdog uh, mm. who have not had the best life chances I didn't mm. come from the best background and my interest lied in behaviour so we'll mm. talk all about that so what the book is about is, is for teachers primarily mm. in how to engage hard to reach learners now the problem is especially if you work in the inner cities mm -hmm is that if you look at the statistics, so I'll just, I'm going to just wheel off a lot of statistics yeah, here. Yeah, I love that. But 40% um, of teachers within five years of training to be a teacher leave the profession. Oh, now, real? what I found out the other day is that in inner cities, if you're looking at Birmingham, if you're looking at Manchester, if you're looking at these type of places, it's up to 50%. So nationally, on yeah. a national level, on a macro So that's level, from the moment that they start teaching, so after yes. qualification. So as yeah. soon as you train, so when you become a teacher, you have to go to university. So obviously you do your normal degree, whether it's geography, economics, whatnot. Mm. Then you have to do something called the PGCE, yeah. which is basically like a half master's. Um, and then you do your PGCE. So part of it's in uni, part of it's in school. Mm. And then you do your NQT year, which is like your provisional driving license. Mm. Most people don't fail their NQT yet. And then you are a fully fledged teacher. Mm. So it's a two year process. But after people, so from time people have entered the PGC level, mm. right, when you've been accepted on a PGC course, within five years, people leave the profession. Oh, right? so it's not even the five years of educating, it's, it's from within? From the PGC oh, right, level. Yeah. So we're talking 40% within five years from starting the That's process. Crazy. And if you're looking at inner cities, it's 50%. If you look at the other stats um, that I was just, you know, I, I've been looking at, I'm always interested in these things. Mm. Um, you know, they're saying that when they're looking at reasons, so obviously they do exit interviews and mm. they're looking at reasons why, why are people leaving? Mm. And they said 45% of that was because of bad behaviour. Um, other stats that I found out, the, um, the Guardian newspaper uh, in last month, in fact, mm. October 2019, did a, a, a big report about teachers and they were saying that um, assaults against teachers, so children or students attacking mm. teachers has gone up um, yeah. by 13%. Yeah. That's because there's hardly any pushback from that though. So before you had the cane, so mm. the fear was, was with the was teacher, there. the power was with the teacher, yeah. whilst now it's kind of like reversed, the power's with the students. The power's with the student, yeah. exactly. So it's kind of like when you're looking at assaults, verbal mm. abuse, um, again, 40% of the people that are leaving mm. were because they couldn't handle behaviour. Um, and... This gets a lot more complicated again. If you're going into the inner cities, it gets more a lot more complicated. Um, because on and what I found out the other day, which shocked me, a friend, a teacher friend of mine. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question now, mm. right? If you looked at the national picture of teachers, mm. national picture, so we've got roughly half a million teachers in the UK. Okay. What percent do you think are ethnic minority, particularly um, from BAM community? I'll say probably like 10. 10%? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to consider all the like major cities, and that's sure. probably what they'll concentrate because I don't think we're going to be anywhere else. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's my that's my it's reasoning. True. It's true, and I, I had the same reasoning, and mm. I've been in education ten years. Mm. It's actually two percent. Whoa, two percent. I couldn't believe it. I went onto the government because I like to fact check. That's how I, I can show you. Of half a million teachers, only two okay, percent of them are, are, are wow. registered from the BAM community. So what you've got is you've got there's a lot of issues and I'm sure we're going to touch on all of those mm. things. So when I was looking, um, so when I was training, mm. you know, and they're looking at behavior management, behavior management's not really from my, my, but I trained in a slightly different way. Mm. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. Behavior management and how to handle people wasn't for most teachers is not a big module, right? Mm. So it's, you know, you train, and then all of a sudden you're in front of a classroom with 30 eyes on you. Yeah. And, you know, they Scary do a week side. of, exactly. Mm. They do a week of, you know, okay, this is what you do. That's what you do. Mm. Now they've got a lot of scientific um, evidence and, you know, proven practice, which is fantastic. But what I found was that there's a difference between theory and a difference between practice. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Levels, so it's yeah. like, I can watch Ronaldo on TV I can look at him play. I can mm. analyze every video yeah. that's ever that been done. Over. Exactly. Yeah. But if you put me in Man United, exactly. You put me. I could without the actual practice, mm. it's useless. So what I found is that a lot of behavior management methods are scientifically backed, which is absolutely fantastic. But they were they were not fit for purpose. So for example, they're using Freud. They're using mm. um, theories from like Howard Gardner. But these guys were not edu they were not in education. They were psychologists. Yeah. So you're trying to take something. It's like me saying because I'm a good cricketer, I can be a good baseball player. Mm. Or because you feel you're using a bat. Exactly. Yeah. Or if I play badminton well, I can be a good tennis player. Mm. So what I found was there was a bit of a, a tension between theory and practice. Mm. And again, if you throw it in the cultural mixes as well, because a lot of teachers that I came across just couldn't get the kids and they couldn't get, understand why they couldn't access the kids. Yeah. So what I decided was I thought to myself, you know what, let me write a book and it's going to be very plain. I tried to make it as plain, uh, as plain in English as possible because a lot of these books that you, you read, especially these theoretical books, they're very, very, very academic, very dry. Yeah. And if, I'm not saying they're invalid, but it's like, okay, a kid's throwing a chair at me. What am I going to do? Mm. You know, I haven't got time to sit there and emotionally coach and how are your feelings? What are your feelings? <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah. Someone's trying yeah. to throw a chair at you. You've got 30 kids. How can I practically mm. sort that situation out? And I came with that. That was my, my, my mission. Mm. And I wrote it. And that's where the action here and teacher mm. um, came from. Um, and, it, and I was very, very interested, especially looking at obviously my cultural background and looking at the issues of diversity. Mm. Because... The only other black writer I found was a guy called Dr. Tony Sewell, who's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, he's, I know Dr. Tony. He's a brilliant, yeah. brilliant, absolute um, inspiration of mine. Mm. And he's, he's I'm probably going to get this wrong. I'm not even going to do it. It's, I think it's called Creating Genius. So what he's done now is he's created a, sorry, so sorry viewers if I've got that wrong. Mm. Um, you can fact check me in the comments. Yeah. But um, he started basically a, a scheme where he's taking kids out it of- It is Creative Genius. I know I've spoken to him oh. actually. I've had a conversation with him. You've had a conversation with yeah, him? Yeah, I've been in his place. I've been to his house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I wouldn't say we're homies, but we, <laughs> I've got him on WhatsApp. Oh. We, we, we talk. I've had, I've had more than an hour conversation well, with I'm him. Tell, I'm telling you, if you ever get the chance you speak to him, just say there's a, a young author that was inspired yeah. by him. 
Um, no, just mention my name, just say I wrote the book because of what because he, he he did a book called Black Masculinity yeah, in school. Yeah, we're supposed I, to be talking about that really pretty soon, actually. Yeah. That that is a brilliant book. Mm. And again, when I was looking, there were not many authors that had done that. So mm. in fact, I went to a colleague of mine and I said, I'm interested in. Uh, it was a black colleague of mine as well, and he said, I'm interested in writing this book. And what my black colleague, it shocked me. He goes, You're a black man. They're not going to take you seriously. He said wow. that to me because when regards to your book, yeah. yeah. So um, I wrote that in 2018. Mm. So 2017, I was kind of you know you're just sound, you know sounding yeah. people out. And he said, "You're a black man. They're not going to take you seriously." And I was like, "Was wow. this a was this a white colleague?" No, no, it's a black colleague. Okay, yeah. And he said, "You're not going to be taken seriously because there's not many of us in education." And in a weird way, I'm a bit stubborn like that. If you mm. tell me I can't do something, that's when you go back and do I'd it. I just say yeah. no because, and I said that's even more reason to go and do mm. this. And by the way, before anybody says, "Oh, you anti," you know, I'm not anti-white or anything. Mm. I am very much. I believe in diversity, and I believe that everybody's voice needs to be heard at the table. Mm. Everybody's voice. Um, and it's really, really, really important. And I think the more people that come with different viewpoints mm. that come together in anything, the better it will be. Because mm. you can't have just, you know, you can't be right. If I'm looking at things from one point of view, mm. I don't have everybody's viewpoint. I Definitely, need yeah. to get everybody's viewpoint mm. in it. And I think that's important for education yeah. as well. I think I think equality, yeah. I think in regards to that, I think equality of opportunity is, yes. is, is fantastic. But mm. then you have equality of outcomes. So sure. that, that needs to be weighed out based on the conversation which is had by having everyone on the table. table. So exactly. I definitely always agree with having everyone on the table yeah. and then allowing everyone to express and for bring express. their ideas forward. And then, but then in terms yeah. of the outcome, that would then be based on whatever is gained. From gained from, exactly. Yeah. Gained from that. So, you know, they, that that's basically the backstory there. So mm. that's why I decided to write the book. And, you know, so far it's been fantastic. The response, because oh, off camera, we were just talking about being scared of some doing something. Yeah. And then just that going That was actually on camera, it. by the way. I was, I was on camera. Way, way oh, before. right. <laughs> I was just I didn't know when the interview, I didn't know when the interview started. Yeah, it's, uh, as soon as you got in here. <laughs> so um, on, on, you know, so we are just talking about feeling the fear mm. uh, and going forward. And the response has been, absolutely yeah. fantastic and it's important oh thank you brother it's important to you know it's it's very 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 important that you know if you've got an idea to go and do something mm -hmm. i really encourage everybody just to go out there because you don't know what you're going to do don't think about the money or whatnot but you mm -hmm. know it's, it's raised so many opportunities yeah um training opportunities and stuff i've met some fantastic people and yeah, I'm very, very proud of the book and it's just been fantastic. And obviously again, it's got me to meet you. So, yeah. you know, it's all good. Uh, I mean, but, but, but tell me about behavioural management. Sure. To me, it's, it's a tricky subject. Sure. So you're a teacher right now. Yeah. You're entering into a classroom. There's yes. 30 whatever plus kids. Sure. I don't know how many they've got now. Probably 100 kids and one teacher. <laughs> like, 30. Should, legally, it's 30, legally but some classes 30. 32. Yeah, legally, yeah. it shouldn't be above 30. But yeah. Okay, so, so you've got, you got 30 kids in there. Various backgrounds. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of issues at home. Sure. Different personalities. Mm -hmm. How does one manage a, a group with such a diverse group of um, individuals and personalities? Brilliant, 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 um, brilliant question. So one of the bases, so when I start the book, mm -hmm. I talk about this because what a lot of behavior management um, books do is they'll give you a bunch of tips and tricks, smile at them, shake your hand, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's like, the problem is you need to understand your students. It's mm. like me saying to you, all right, uh, Francis, I want you to put, you know, a hundred pounds worth of petrol and I just want you to just drive on the motorway. <laughs> where are we going? Yeah. Don't know where we're going. Um, we just, uh, just drive. Would that be effective? No, no you need to have a framework. So a theory that I came up with, mm. and I'm very proud of this theory, is what I call Trust Mountain. Mm. So when I step into a classroom, so, so I did supply teaching for about two years as well. Mm. So the thing is- That's the hardest job. 
trust me, you'll yeah. get eaten alive. It was yeah, like, I you know, I feel like... It's not, nothing's changed. It was mm. like Gladiator. I, was like, I felt mm. like Maximus Ceridius. I'm like, are you not attended to... You know, you're walking into the, 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 yeah, the, the then, lion's yeah. den. So when I step into a classroom, I am looking at um, what you might call it. I, 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 I don't see a blob or homogenous group of students. Yeah. I break it down into four levels. Four, I can group them into four levels. So Trust Mountain is basically, my theory basically says that the more that you can build up a relationship with your students, mm. right? And there's two elements, which I'll talk about in a second, the more that you can get them to listen to you. So there's, let's discuss the four levels. So in the book, it's like a pyramid, right? And it's no Illuminati when I make this. People say <laughs> he's invited Illuminati members onto his show. So you've got four levels. You've got yeah. what I call disruptors, compliance, yeah positive and engaged mm. and the bottom level are the most disruptive all the way to the top and every single student in your class will fall into one of those categories now what i say in the book openly is that we're you know people think of harry potter like oh are you gonna make everybody in my class behave no mm. right yes, i can't <laughs> i can't promise miracles mm. right i can't promise miracles and the class right? clowns need still need his laughs and stuff, exactly right? exactly so if you've got a kid for example who's being abused at home he's mm. got an alcoholic father who, you know, uh, is not even eating or sleeping. It will be a bit, of, a bit of a big ask to make that kid that's disruptive become totally engaged. That will take time. Mm. But what I can promise is that every single child moves up a level, right? Mm. I can promise that. And there's, there's tips and tricks to do that. So if you've got, so for example, just going quickly through the levels, disruptors are the ones that don't listen, mm. disrespectful. They're the ones that tend to be quite aggressive, mm. Those are obviously, that's like the red zone. So in the book, I call that the red zone. Those are the ones that are, are the light, most likely to throw chairs at you. Yeah. I'll even give a name. It's Johnny Table Flipper. Yeah, that's Johnny <laughs> Table Flipper's re re regime there. Yeah. Next level up, you've got compliance. Those are mm. kind of like the, the, the class clowns. Mm. Those are the guys. And the difference is, is the way that you approach them. So if I tell off a compliant, right? A compliant might, you know, they might, you know, quiet down a bit, but he's going to be the one that's elbowing his friend and giggling doing the pranks and, stuff, and yeah. giggling and stuff mm. like that. Whereas the, the, the disruptors like, what? what are you saying, bro? No, mm. I'm not listening to it. Right? Positives mm. are one step above compliant. And those are the guys that, you know, okay, they mess about, but you give them a look or you say, John, and it's, ah, oh, sir, sir. Yeah. Or you just look at them and say, sir, I've got my phone. They can self-correct. They can self-evaluate. And then the last level is engaged. Those are the guys that, that is like Harry Potter, like mm. fully engaged. They're fully happy. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Everything, yes, sir. Well, everything, everything is well. Everything yeah. is perfect. Not annoying kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's the dream level. Mm. But what I say is you've got to build a relationship. Now, how you climb up this mountain, trust mountain, you need to have two branches. Mm. One in the book, and I, I label it. One is authority, mm. all right, on one side. And the other is warmth. And if you can get that right combination, right, of authority and warmth, that is where you can build those relationships and that's how you can get them engaged in your class. Because yeah. what you want to do as a teacher is you don't want to constantly saying, John, can you stop, John? John, John, put the table down. John, yeah. John, pick up your pick. John, John. Yeah. You want to be able to help them to regulate and police themselves. And that's an adult skill. And those are the two ways you do that. So very, very briefly, just to talk mm. about what authority means. When people talk about authority now, people, people, it gets people's backs up. Yeah. When you talk about being authoritative because when we think of authority so if I said authority to you mm. think of somebody famous that comes to mind so when I, when you think of somebody of authoritative who comes to mind for you what, like um, anybody Trump Trump yeah okay any yeah. other people when you think of authority um, I always think police police I think, yeah, anyone in a position of power yeah. power yeah. but you control. know what control mm. but you see 
Trump came to mind. Mm. Was that a positive um, connotation or negative connotation? Um, it's, a, it's a in between. In between. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But ma- mainly, obviously, based on what's happening currently, I would say negative. Negative. Yeah. I've done this when I done. I've done training with um, teachers. Mm. I say name like famous politicians or name famous people throughout history that are authoritative. Um, authoritative. Now, I haven't given any qualification. I haven't said whether it's good or bad, but the usual names come out. Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein. Oh, yeah. That's like the far Donald extreme. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what that shows, and I said, the thing is nowadays, authority has been given a bad name, mm. right? People think authority is a bad thing. Mm. And again, just to, I'm going to go on a slight tangent. Somebody says, oh, the, is the behavior with um, kids getting worse or better? And some people say, oh, it's getting worse. Mm. I don't believe that. Um, mm. I don't believe that at all. each generation, I've actually said that about the generation, the generation before. before. So it's like, it's a lack of understanding of a cultural <laughs> shift. Yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah. there's a very famous quote from, uh, I think, a king of, Me- oh, I've forgotten how to say it, Mesopotamia, which is mm. current day Iraq. Yeah. Mm. And he had on his tomb, right? Um, an inscription saying the children are going to ruin the empire they're mm. becoming worse they, they, they're going to be the downfall of the empire and this was mm. 4000 BC yeah alright it's been going 4000 yeah. this has always been the case but the only difference between kids of ancient Egypt or Iraq mm. and now is this yeah this thing here is a weapon of mass distraction yeah <laughs> this thing they, the kids of Egypt never had one of these yeah. alright because the thing is what I try to make teachers understand is that I want you to think, because we're so used to technology, mm. I want you to think of it, but we've got to step, take a step back in history and look at this. I can right now go on Twitter. So if Boris Johnson says something, mm. I can go on Twitter right now and I can say, you're a bloody... Beep, 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 and you can beep, at him as well. So I can at him, Boris Johnson, and he'll read it. Yeah. You are bloody, I hate mm. you. I, can, I want you dead, blah, blah, blah. Mm. In terms of human history, there's never been a time like this. Even yeah. if you go back a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and you went to insult like the leader, prime minister or the queen, you could your potentially, you'll be arrested. Yeah, you, yeah, of course, hundred percent. So what's happened is, is the gap between authority, the gap between the people and authority has become eroded away. Mm. The respect level. So what I say to, to teachers is, if they can't respect the prime minister or they can't respect the president or mm. even the queen, why are they going to respect you? Yeah. We've also had over the, the, the last couple of decades a real erosion of trust mm-hmm. between the powers that be and the, the and, and us mm. because of all the scandals, because of all the lies. And they did a study in America uh, um, where they were looking at how much, so they, there's, I think it's called the Pew Institute, PEW, that mm. look at trends and stuff like that. And they looked at trust levels um, uh, of the, uh, uh, and I'm sure it's the same here. Mm. They looked at the trust that um, the American people had in their politicians and they did a graph. So they started this in, you know, World War One, World yeah. War Two. And in fact, World War II was at its highest. I think in terms of approval, it was like 80%, mm. right? So, you know, if the president said something, so they ask questions like, do you trust the president? Mm. Do you trust what he says? Do you trust that he's got our best interest? Mm. But what you see on the grass, it was fine. It was dipping. It was like that. You know, Kennedy, in fact, it peaked after that, mm. trusting the government. But when it hit um, Nixon, Watergate. Mm. Oh, yeah. Watergate, right? Yeah. When the Watergate scandal hit, and I'm not mm. a historian, so I won't even try and tell you when that Watergate scandal yeah. hit you see it dropped off a cliff. So it went, bam, it dropped off a cliff mm. and it's never recovered. And in fact, as the years have gone off, there's been little mini cliffs to the mm. point where I think if you asked, I think the Pew Institute mm. said, if you asked the American person, the average American person, only 30% trust that the government have their best 
you know, yeah, interest. interest at heart, yeah. And that's why, why we've got yeah. the Trumps and the Boris Johnsons because of all this conspiratorial stuff that's going on. So people do not trust authority anymore. Mm. But I argue that when we talk about authority, what we're talking about, we look at authority as, you know, bow down before me. Mm. That's not the complete picture. Authority is also trust and expertise. Yeah. So a doctor is an authority on medicine, you know. Um, if you looked at um, not Mikel Arteta Arsene Wenger yeah. he's an authority I'm well, an he's Arsenal he's fan now, <laughs> Arsenal. you know we're playing right now right? Yeah, I know I know I know, I know. Cool, I, you know it's Freddie Lundberg I'm not even going to blame him. I'm backing the manager yeah, but yeah, um, if you look to Arsene Wenger there's no doubt Arsene Wenger would not have any power so, so if he is in this room now in terms of you know power he has mm. no power over me or you yeah. but if we're talking football of course he's an authority that's mm. why he's got the fifa job so what i'm saying to people is authority is the ability to show your expertise to mm. be respected because you know something and because you are a teacher you have naturally got that authority yeah. again even with a, we don't trust scientists there's people saying the world is flat there's people mm. saying but I, I argue that you need to have that that level of respect where you say look i know what i'm doing yeah. you know understand and again it's your character Warmth, on the other hand, is your ability to your ability to engage, to have emotional intelligence mm -hmm. with your students, not to just bark orders, but to try and understand them, to try and key into what they what they want. And again, using the Mikel Arteta, are you an Arsenal supporter? I'm an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I'm Arsenal. Yeah. So his press conference, mm. I really liked it. So I I'll use him it, an yeah. example, yeah, and I love he used such a brilliant analogy because he goes, "Oh, what are you going to do with Ozil?" And he goes, "Look, I'm I'm a heart surgeon." And I thought, this is, where's he going with this? He goes, I need to find out how the players tick. He goes, I can't say what I'm going to do with them. I need to go. He goes, they said, what are you going to change about the club? He said, the, the energy. I need to find out what's gone wrong. Because he goes, when I was- You see the culture around the place. The culture. Well, yeah. And he goes, I want to figure out what's in their heart. He goes, once I get my, the player and I understand where they're coming from, mm. then I would adjust my approach. And I thought, that is such a brilliant analogy for leadership. Yeah. That's what you've got to do. So this guy that's throwing a chair at you, he might be getting abused at home. Mm. or So you, when you're shouting at him, he's not thinking about you, the teacher. He's thinking about his dad who yeah, abuses reaction, him at home. Yeah. So you have got to kind of key in and try and find out what makes that student tick. And that's where, from those theories, I kind of break it yeah. down but, but level. So yeah. all of that, like te 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 all of the, um, the mm. tools that you've just given in the examples, yeah. is, is this a part of the teaching process, like the, um, the, the academic process that teachers go through? So are they given these tools? Are they handed these tools? Or are they just kind of like, you go through the, um, mm. the university process and get all your various qualifications, then you're dumped in a classroom without giving these tools? Because you, know, you, you yeah. could be from Lincolnshire mm. and then you end up in the middle of uh, a school in East London. And, and the demographics <laughs> yeah. is completely different. The experience, the culture is completely different. So mm. what tools are these teachers given? That is a fantastic question. And you know what? In a weird way, I'm the wrong person to answer that. Mm. The reason why I say that is because the way I was trained was slightly different. So okay, to so give you, you a tweet. the conventional route. Yeah, right? I didn't go through the conventional route of teaching. Mm. So basically, you've got there's so many ways into teaching, but I'll give you the tweetable version. So the way I described at the beginning was what we call the PGCE route yeah. so that's the academic university led route right yeah. and that's how most teachers go through uh the lane that most teachers go through into teaching the route i went is i went a route using um what is called the d so it's it's basically you've got this way going into through secondary or primary education that's mm -hmm. the pgc route i went through the adult the lifelong learning sector so mm -hmm. there's something called the DETALS, which is the diploma in teaching in the lifelong learning sector mm -hmm. so how i'll explain that so most teachers go into a classroom um, they sit, they go, they, it's very university level, very academic. Mm. My route, I started off in a way like a youth worker. Okay, so yeah. 
I went in and I was working, I was a NEAT, sorry, I didn't qualify this at the beginning. I was a NEATS coordinator. So NEATS are people that are not in education, employment or training. So these are the guys that drop out of school mm. and they're the most vulnerable to going into gangs, mm. into um, uh, antisocial behavior. So I had to work with these guys. These mm. Most of these guys got excluded from school. So we, we couldn't do what we call conventional and mainstream education. Mm. It was very much... Uh, alternative provision using the, uh, the buzzwords. I think so, I, we called it, it was called a project or something. Yeah, project, exactly. Yeah. So basically pre-level type of stuff. Mm. So what I had to do was how I went through it was I was more like a youth worker. Yeah. So I was given the tools. So the way I went through, I was given the tools. I worked with something called CAMS, which is the Child Adolescent Mental Health Services, mm. um, YOP, which is the Youth Offending Team. So they, because you're dealing with kids that are disaffected, mm. you don't want to um, engage in school. Imagine you've been kicked out of two schools. You've been told you're good for nothing. Of course, when I come in, I'm trying to teach you. You're going to have that barrier. There's that barrier to learning mm. there. So I had to develop tools that I was given tools, psychological tools and stuff like that to be able to engage those guys. So when I went into mainstream education, mm. because um, the government cut a lot of the uh, alternative provision oh, yeah. because of austerity, yeah, it's the, it's the, um, yeah. and I'll tell you a funny story about that. Mm. I had to go, because I have a teaching qualification. I have something called a QTLS. Mm. I had to go through into the mainstream education. And what shocked me was that teachers were not trained like how I was trained. Mm. So they went through the very academic route I went through the more hands-on type of route. So mm. in a way, I had, it's not because I'm a brilliant person. I had a lot of unfair advantages. Mm. So when a lot of teachers were like, how do you make him do that? How do you engage with that? You how did you do behavior, that? yeah. Exactly, because I had to, I literally had to study psychology. Mm. I had to study all these type of things. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, no, I don't believe in terms of the PGC mm. route. And I've spoken to um, people that do teacher training, that actually tra uh, train teachers. Yeah. I actually went um, with that book and I was like, just do it. I just said, I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, talking rubbish here. Mm. And the teacher said, you know, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, they put it on the university syllabus and said, this is what we need to be teaching teachers. Yeah, because they don't understand the psychological, they do understand Freud and that, but the actual practical psychology mm -hmm. of it, because it's a tough old gig. Because yeah. you've got to figure out people very, very quickly. And also, I include a lot of my other experiences. I've worked many other types of jobs. I did sales mm. um, one, once upon a time in my life. And again, that was very psychological in terms of dealing with people, yeah. NLP. Different characters, cultures. Exactly. Stuff, yeah. So that's where I got the advantages from. So that's why I believe that a lot of teachers, as you said, they will come from Devon. Um, there's a funny story where, you know, a teacher went up to um, Elias, in fact, mm. and I knew the same teacher. And he was like, he came from Cornwall, mm. uh, big up Tom. Uh, he came from Cornwall and he was like, um, he was really confused. And he went up to Elias and he was like, what does, they said, they said that I'm wet. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? You know what I mean? What, what does wet mean? I don't, I don't get it. What does yeah. it mean? Does it, is it good or a bad thing? Elias was like, you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's that cultural. Elias would say that. Yeah, yeah, you're doing a good job. And yeah. it's like, it's that cultural understanding and I've mm. actually met teachers mm. um, I won't mention obviously names but I've met teachers mm. who've said you know Carl before I came to London I never met any black people in my life oh yeah or I've never met yeah. ethnic minorities yeah. so it's a, it's a new thing it's not their fault it's obviously where they're raised or whatnot but mm. again it's that clash of cultures mm. and that is why I felt it was important to write this and to talk about these things yeah. and again as you said a quality of outcome is to, to say look because th these things can cause problems these things can cause serious problems so that's 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 that basically yeah. so i yeah. mean my theory behind it is that like because mm. because 
I, I think the current education system is not fit for purpose. That's my thing. It's definitely not yeah. fit for purpose because mm. the way the way that I see it, like the education system was created to enable parents to go into work whilst teaching <laughs> their kids to become the next generation of workers. So it's just like a weird conveyor belt. So yeah. in that sense, why why would the system then take the time to um, hone in on various cultures and various mm. different aspects of schools mm. with different demographics mm. in order to equip teachers to mm. be able to um, help the students. Mm. But what, what we're now creating is a culture where like we're teaching students in one format, one syllable, yeah. one one system yeah. all the way around when every single human being is different. Sure. Because I think secondary school, I, I didn't take nothing out of secondary school. Absolutely nothing. I'll be the first wow. one to put my hand up. Yeah. Like my grades weren't great. Mm. I, was, I was dyslexic, but no one knew about it. Like yeah. it's only now that I'm picking up on certain behaviors Things. and certain and, yeah. trace, and I'm starting to understand where I potentially was let down. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I can, it's only it's only towards the, the latter parts of like my university years where I started started to click. I, things started to click and I started understanding how I'm how I take in information, how sure. I learn. When I thought, wait, if I would have picked this, if this would have been picked up earlier on during the early stages where of could I, where, where, where could I have been? Where could I have been? Even yeah. though I've don't regret anything, but sure. it would have potentially changed like the trajectory. trajectory of my yeah, hundred percent. And that's where the school system is failing many of students. Sure. I'm just one example of sure. those individuals because some people come up to me like oh you're intelligent you're smart I'm like bro you haven't seen my GCSE grades <laughs> <laughs> like if yeah. I was to bring out my GCSE grades like it's, it's complete it's a major contrast as to who sure. I am as an individual yeah no and th that's where we need to now hone in and possibly take more responsibility and or, or make the government more accountable sure for what it is that's being taught to students yeah, no. And how is being taught to them? I 150% agree. I, I mean, I've been in the education system for about 10 years and I'll be the first. And I, as I, I don't want to use the word disillusionment because I think that's too strong, but I am starting to notice a lot of things that it needs reform. Um, mm. The education system hasn't changed since the Victorian era yeah. or the Edwardian era in terms of the industrial revolution. And again, if you look at the roots, I'm sure, as you rightly mentioned, um, it, it, and again, I did a sociology degree, so I studied this. Yeah. If you look at the reason why our education system is set up the way that it's set up, even from like the half terms and stuff like that, is mm. because it got to a point where as the as 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 the nations were becoming more industrialized, especially the Western nations becoming mm. more industrialized, you now had a whole lot of people. So we move it. So the industrial age were moving from the agricultural age. Mm where people grew their own crops and we went into now mass factories. And what you're getting now is you're, you're getting a whole load of people who are not skilled enough to be able to handle those factories or mm. to go into those factories. They couldn't read or write because imagine little Johnny is helping his dad mm. on the farm. You understand? And again, if you're lucky, obviously if you're in the upper classes, you would get educated, mm. but it wasn't um, a, uh, a uniform education mm. uh, system. So what, what you needed to do is create a way to process people to become educated. Mm -hmm. Hence why you needed grades. This one's got an A, so he'll be able to do this type of this task. This one got yeah. a B, so mm -hmm. he'll be able to do this type of task. Now, I'm not... My thing is, when we look at the age we're in, we're not in the industrial age anymore. Mm -hmm. We're in the information age. Mm -hmm. And you said something really key, which was saying that we need to have... A, because things are changing. It's not fit for purpose, mm -hmm. but we need... A, there was something you said in and around culture. And I think because the way that the world is is is, is, is changing, mm. we need to have that more than ever. Yeah. But again, you've got the tension of, look, this is what we've always known versus the tension of how can we reform it? Mm. Because if we look at things, the way the world is going, I think the teacher, and I've said this before, the, tra the traditional role of, of, a, of a teacher, I think is obsolete. Mm. If I really want to find something out, yeah. I don't need I go on to Google. Yeah. 100%. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. So guys, 
before internet, I can actually say I'm proud. I was born before the internet. If I wanted to, you know what I mean? I say that with pride to the yeah. kids. He's like, wow, Mr. Drama, how did you do like, you have Instagram? You, yeah, exactly. He's like, how did you find that information? I said, there was something called a library. Yeah. And I rem actually remember, right? Because my mum, you know, African parents, mm. is like, we'll actually spend a day in the library, right? Yeah. And if you wanted a book, or something to find that sign. You have to go to the reference section. Mm -hmm. You have to take photocopies. That that whole process could take oh, you yeah. the whole day yeah. to do, right? Now, if I want to know something, boom. Mm -hmm. I pick this up within a minute. I know what I need. Yeah. So the fact that we, the education system under especially the conservative government mm -hmm. has gone back. So, you know, Michael Gove was the education secretary yeah. and he's like, no, we need to strip it all down get rid of all the stuff like music and whatnot. We, we need to be like other countries and, you know, focus on maths and English and stuff like that. But the way that um, the education system's built is on memorization. Mm -hmm. You're memorizing facts and figures yeah. for tests. But it's like, it. but the problem is you memorize it, you're chunking it, but you forget it. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do that. Where we need or where the, the, the future economies are going is, that, is they need people that are creative, that mm -hmm. can solve problems, that can get different bits of information and connect them together in unique yeah. ways. That is what we've got to be focusing on. And the thing is, other countries are doing this. If you look at places like Norway, Scandinavian countries, mm -hmm. they've got a system which I think is really ingenious where you do your normal year seven to year nine, mm -hmm. like normal. But after that, Basically, they scrap everything and they say, what we're going to do is you're going to run real world projects. You're going to start a business or you're going to do a mm. project where you're going to, I don't know, um, do podcasting. And what mm. we're going to do is grade you, not on just, you know, your technical ability, but how you get on with people. Mm. How do you communicate? How do you do these like soft, so-called soft skills? And I think that's absolutely ingenious, mm. but I don't ever see the UK adopting something like that, but it prepares them better for the real world. Yeah, and what you're saying is, is, is spot on. We need to do things, if I was the education secretary, uh, one thing that we need to do is money management. It's That's so, essential. it's yeah. so, yeah. I, I can't, people always ask, and my kids, my, my students ask me, um, uh, Mr. Chum, um, why Mr. Chum, why, why are we learning about Henry VIII and his eight wives? Yeah. Why am I not learning about mortgages? I'm telling them mm. simple things about income tax. Mm. They don't know what it is. Mm. It's like, why are we not learning that? And I'm not being rude to Henry VIII and his eight wives. I've never gone for a job and said, you know what? We yeah. love you, Carl. We love you. But you've got to tell me about the eight <laughs> wives of Henry VIII. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did he chop off one of their heads? Yeah. Why did he, you know what I mean? Oh, because she was paying. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> why? You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's like, I think things like money management need to be learned. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence, how to deal yeah. with people, how to communicate yeah, with tolerance. people. Tolerance. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. How to communicate with people needs to be learned. What else needs to be learned? anything to do with computers. Mm. Um, I spoke to a guy that um, he, he did computer programming in uni and he said, by the time he learned the computer language, mm. but so imagine three years, he goes, it, it, was, or, it was obsolete. Yeah, he had to learn it again. Well, it flips every three <laughs> to six months now. So it, it's, it's going to be even quicker going ahead in the future. So, exactly. Yeah. So literacy, digital literacy. I think what you do is absolutely mm. important. Social media, mm. the ability to, to, to communicate on the internet. I spoke to a recruitment agent, agent and he was saying that we're moving from a CV-based system into a, a branding-based system. Oh yeah, like personal LinkedIn. branding is everything. Now. Yeah, because yeah. he said, when I recruit people now, I don't even look at your CV. Mm. I looked at your LinkedIn. I look at your follows. I look at your articles. Mm. So we're moving from a system based on the industrial mm. um, way 
to you know a more it's a conceptual age i think yeah that's the word mm. the conceptual age how are we preparing um preparing our kids for this you know mm. we, you know, i can't remember who said it but i think one of these silicon valley guys mm. were, were talking about it. i don't know if it was sean parker he said we are educating kids for jobs that have not even be, it doesn't it don't even exist yeah. and half of them are going to be completely like dissolved within the next like 10 years maybe 10 15 years yeah mark mm. carney who was the was the previous um, governor of, um, of of the Bank of England? Mm. He said he released a report about three years ago, mm. and he did a, a study where he said by 2030, 50 percent of the jobs mm -hmm. that we currently do now will be made obsolete by yeah, um, AI. Yeah. The Daily Mail, as reliable as the Daily Mail, it all is <laughs> said he's scaremongering, mm. blah blah blah. But he said, I thought, you know, he's he's. The, He's the governor of the Bank of England. He's probably got access to the best researchers. And he said, we are in, um, he, he described it at the time, moving from the agricultural age to the industrial age. We're mm. going for a massive shift. And he said, what we are going to produce is a whole lot of people who will not have jobs. Mm. As you well know, now, you know, in America, like with taxis, we're complaining about Uber. We're mm. fighting Uber here. Mm -hmm. In America, they've already got automated cars yeah. in certain parts. Yeah. So that's going to eventually come over here. Mm. You've got apps which are like lawyers for you. So mm -hmm. the, the, somebody, I haven't seen it myself, but somebody was telling me there's an app where if you've got immigration problems, you mm -hmm. download the app, you yeah. put in the things and it, it prints you, yeah. things. It will tell yeah. you what to there, say and what to do. There's medical apps now as well. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to go and see mm -hmm. a doctor. So how are we preparing our young people for this? You don't need to learn about, okay, it's nice. If you want to learn history and you want to learn about Henry mm -hmm. VIII, that's nice. But how are we teaching our kids how to problem solve, how mm -hmm. to be creative, how to link things together? Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is very, very clever in the sense that the information, you know, somebody said we're, 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 we're drowning in information, mm -hmm. but we're thirsty for wisdom. I love that. We're drowning in information, yeah. but we're thirsty for wisdom. There's so much information out there. So what we need are people like you to mm. curate the information. Because obviously if I went in and I was talking about, I don't know, you're talking about mortgages mm. or whatnot. I can go and Google. There are millions. In yeah. fact, Google tell billions of yeah. sites. How are we... So if I rather rather than me crawling, um, you know, scrolling down, I'll be like, let's go to let's do humans mm. because I trust you, I know you, and I'll take in what you say. So um, information curation yeah, is going definitely. to be a big thing, and that's why we go to these YouTubers yeah. and they have so much power yeah. now because and, and yeah. analyzing on a human level and exactly. being able to break down things. Because yeah, I mean, I made a statement to someone recently. Yeah. I said, is there any point in me going to school or university or college? Yeah to learn something where which I can pick up my phone and literally get all the information <laughs> on in two minutes. Yeah. And I'm going to find various breakdowns of it, which yeah. is way better than the way that the lecture or the teacher or the person is going to be able yeah. to break down to me. But yeah. I think what we need to learn is about the practical stuff, as you're mentioning, yeah. like the mortgage. How do I, how do, from a young age as well, mm. not, not when it's too late or when I've reached the point where mm. I'm living a life of desperation, I'm trying to pay my bills, mm. I'm trying to like keep, feed my kids and my mm. wife. But mm. from an early stage, so once I've reached that stage, I'm already equipped with this information to be able to practically go forth and get Spot on. But you know yeah. People are learning it. I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy called the Urban Financier. Yes, yeah, I've heard of him. Brilliant. Yeah. I watched yeah. him on um he was on the Chucky, he was on um Chucky Online, he was like yeah. he was on yeah. the thing. And he made, in fact, what he said was big up Urban Financier. Mm. He's he made such a fantastic statement because obviously he he money he does money management for the elite. Yeah. So he Chucky brought him on, uh Chucky Van and he's uh, and he said, Look, tell us, talk to us. Mm. And he said the reason why those people are rich, like the upper class, is because they know about money from an oh, early 100%. age. Yeah. They were drilled mm -hmm. into it. If you're upper class, your dad runs his own business, they'll take them in and talk to them about money. Mm -hmm. Because the, the average Joe Bloggs on the street 
only starts to learn about money when they go to university. Mm-hmm. When you get that student loan, as it's we were the first talking level about, of like independence. <laughs> exactly, we're talking about splashing up, <laughs> <laughs> going to Foot Locker. You get yeah. me? Oh boy, I could tell many stories about my student loan, mm. boy, my machino jeans. But um, <laughs> but he goes, the average man or woman, by the time they hit twenty, that's when they have to learn to manage money. Mm. The average Joe blogs don't talk about money at home, right? Mm. These guys have had a 20-year head start. Mm -hmm. That is why these guys are good at money. If me and you are learning a subject like computer programming, Mm. forget 20 years, I had a two-year head start. Unless you're a prodigy, Francis, Mm. Francis, I'm going to beat you hands down. Mm, I'm going to beat you hands down. They've got 20 years. Mm. Um, Again, um, on Freezer Social, Big Up Freezer Social, Mm. they had, exactly, they had Reggie Nelson on on the um, program. And again, as you know, I'm sure you know his story. Yeah, he went around knocking on every door, yeah, in a wealthy area. (laughs) Exactly, in a wealthy area. And he knocked on the door of um, a gentleman, I think that runs BlackRock, which Mm. is the investment company, one of the biggest hedge funds in the UK, not only in the UK, in the world. Mm. And he was saying that because now he's entered into that world, it's a different world. From a young age, these guys that go private school, and it's not even about the grades. The grades, if you look at a private school versus a, mm. a state, the grades are not, unless it's a really crap state school. Mm. It's all right to say crap, right? On this yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a re- <laughs> it's all right, yeah. right? Unless it's a really crap state school, it's not that big. But the difference is, those guys are uh, are networking. Oh, your dad owns BlackRock. Oh, your mm. dad owns Clifford Chance yeah. Law Firm. So from a young Nepotism age- kicks in. So exactly. they, they're, they're making those connections. Yeah. They're making those connections. Mm-hmm. That one's going to go far. Why are so many um, prime ministers... If you're going to Oxford University, right, or Cambridge, chances are you might be mixing with a future prime minister. 100%. A future, a future president. Ox- mm. um, um, Bill Clinton went to Oxford mm-hmm. um, to do some studies. I forgot what other presidents. You're mixing with, you know, leaders, you know, movers and shakers. Mm. So imagine now, mm. I've went to Oxford. I'm sitting next to Theresa May, Boris Johnson. Um, mm. Who else come from that? David Cameron. Mm. All these guys went there. And I say, you know what? I need a job. Yeah. Boom. I need this contract sorted. Like, can you shift a few things? Boom. Yeah. You're going to university. I'm not going to mention any new, because I don't want to disrespect no unis, mm. but you're going to university of Barking mm. or university <laughs> of Ealing or university of, you know what yeah, I mean? University yeah. of Stratford. Yeah. No offense to that. You're not going to be mixing with those type of guys. Mm-hmm. So that is what I'm saying in terms of the big disparity. And that's why, so all these things in these private schools, are being taught informally. So in Eton, mm. they're taught how to do pub. Yeah, sorry, public speaking. That's a big one that they do. They do a lot of debating. Debating. Yeah, That's yeah. part of they their do curriculum. A lot of debating. Yeah. Because they know you're going to be. In fact, I watched the documentary and they were saying that when you go to Eton, mm. the speech the headmaster gives you is that you are the one percent of the one percent, mm. and they've got apparently a wall full of. So they're aware of their gone. power. Before. Yeah, mm. they've got a wall full of every prime minister, all the mm. kings and queens, and it imbues you with something. Mm. You are in hollowed ground yeah. because you are walking the same halls that this mm. one walked, David Cameron or whoever, Prince William or whatnot. Mm. So you have something to live up to. Mm. So already. If this is a 100 meter yeah. race, they've got their toe on the line. Yeah, that confidence is already there. Yeah. But do you, can mm. I ask you a question? Do you Go think that it. confidence is, is culturally or innately built? Because the reason why I'm asking mm. is so sure. when I, the first time I ever stood up mm. or was forced to deliver a presentation was yeah. in university. Yeah. And that was the first year. And I was mm. shaking, the paper was all <laughs> over the place. I was stuttering yeah. with my words. And one thing I realized. Mm. This was happening to all of the black kids. Mm. Like I, I went to University of East London, not the greatest of universities. It's a local thing. I <laughs> Big up in there. Like, they got a great side though. I think it's, it's, it's I don't nice. know. I don't it's know modern. what's happening it's right modern. now. Yeah, it was really modern. Like yeah. we had a great library, great IT system. But 
I just popped in. I just done university for whatever sure. sake, and like, yeah, let's, let's, let's <laughs> Your be mom, real Go it. to uni. Yeah, <laughs> and plus I just wanted to have it there. I just wanted yeah, to get it get done the at the time. But now my mindset is completely different. different. But one thing I realized in the first year that yeah. there was a group of us that came from a particular area, and whenever sure. we were put. Like we were, we were, we were confident individuals mm. within our own setting. Mm. So like when I'm chilling with the man, then we're confident. We're yeah. talking crud. We're, we're yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But when we're put in that environment and put in front of people, there, there's certain level of confidence that we lose immediately. Mm. There's something that that happens mm. to us. But what I realized is with mm. a lot of the Powerful. other ethnic, ethnicities, when they stepped up on stage, they had a level of confidence which I felt mm. was universal within their group. Mm. And I'm still That's trying powerful. to get my head around it and see where does that come from? Because when I stood yeah. up there at the time, I was shaking. I was like, oh my gosh, these people are judging me. They're looking at me. Mm. They're looking down at me potentially. Mm. And I was stuttering my words. The paper was shaking. Mm. And it wasn't just me. It was every other kid that came from my particular background. It's very, very interesting you said that. I think, you know what, that's really touching again because I'd studied sociology. It's touching mm. on, on, on perception. In America, it's very, very interesting. When Barack Obama was elected as um, uh, president mm. for the first time, 2008. Um, they did, uh, I've forgotten, I think it was University of Washington. Again, I'm going to be fact-checked, but mm. it's okay. They did an actual study with Af African-American um, students. So what they did was they um, they got like a control group. They got African-Americans. They told them not to do a test. Not Sorry, told them to do a test mm -hmm. as normal, revised, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But what they did with this other group of African-American kids was they've shown a lot of things with Barack Obama. Mm. They've shown a lot of things, his speeches. They showed him his, his, his inauguration, mm. all those things, like for the, the sessions running up to the test. Yeah. And these kids, and they were picked to have the same, you know, ability. The kids that were in the uh, Barack Obama um, group versus the guys that were in the normal group, mm -hmm. they did an average 40 to 50% better than those guys there surprised. touching mm. almost the same levels as their white counterparts whereas historically they'll be seen as you know mm. they'll be about you know 30 you know 20 percent they will do le less well basically mm. and what was interesting what that study was showing was that it's about perception and mm. confidence and my argument would be the reason why i raised that study um is my argument would be is if you look at in fact let's, let me ask you a question mm. if you think about the perception of black people, especially young black people. If you could yeah. think of a channel on on satellite TV where you yeah. say, okay, I know that I'm going to see imagery of young black t people. What TV channel would it well, be? One of the music channels. Exactly. Yeah. MTV. Yeah. Yeah. But again, let's go deeper into that. What would they be likely to be doing, these young young yeah. people? Rapping about sex, drugs and crime and <laughs> violence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're raised with a perception where... All you can do is you can play football. It's, it's interesting because I was having a debate with, with, with a friend of mine because um, Raheem Sterling, uh, 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 they were talking about, you know, um, BBC um, sports personality. Yeah, they were talking mm. about Raheem Sterling where he said, you know, stand up to racism and stuff. Mm. And again, big up Raheem Sterling. He's been doing a lot, yeah. This He's been year. doing a lot. Yeah. And they were saying, you know, he's so brave and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, there was a couple of problems for me. All he was saying was saying facts. Yeah. He wasn't brave. How can yeah. you... Is, he was like, like, yeah. He was saying facts. Not, why is it brave? You know what I mean? Number I one, he's saying facts. Yeah, he was saying yeah. facts. Yeah. He's not being quiet. He was just saying facts that we, we get treated differently. Mm. Number two, which I've got a real problem with, not a real problem with, is that what they do is... is they look... And I, again, this is not on Raheem. As I said, mm. I love Raheem. But what they do is they perpetuate, the media puts a certain perception. So they'll put 
the rappers and the footballers and 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 those types mm. of people at the front mm -hmm. and and those people and again i'm glad like we've got the stormzy and again what stormzy's doing is fantastic and there's mm. no disrespect onto him but what they do is they over i think they push a certain perception yeah 100%. so when you got mm. when i say dr tony suo people don't know who the hell he is. Yeah. You understand? But if I said this, yeah. then it, if I said this football or this rapper, yeah. then it, so it's a societal thing and it's a media thing. Yeah. And, and my yeah. issue is as well, is um, mm. like using someone like Stormzy is very easy for them. Very, mm. very easy. It's very comfortable. Because mm -hmm. I think when mm -hmm. they know that when push comes to shove, that's a battle that they can win. Mm. They, they, they can crush Stormzy any mm. moment of time. Because yes. they know that he might not necessarily have certain tools to mm. withstand a, a, an onslaught with, mm. within a serious argument yeah, with yeah. someone who's academically astute. Mm. But if you were to take someone who's more academically astute, maybe like a Dr. Tony or mm. someone else um, who, who's in that field mm. that's that's got the tools necessary, mm. then it's a different battle. It's a different and it's you, a completely different battle. Because I want to jump in on that point. There was a little bit of a, a, a beef that's happening between Michael Gove and Stormzy. So Stormzy mm. endorsed Jeremy Corbyn, the last election. And yeah. he said, you know, uh, what did he say? He said that, you know, this government is a very sinister government. Mm. And, it, you know, and Michael Gove did something in, in, interesting. Rather than try and debate Stormzy, he goes, I think you're He said a comment like, I think you're better at rapping than you are at politics. And mm. it's clear we shouldn't really talk to you, basically. Mm which was really demeaning. Yeah, that's, that's It's almost a, like dismissed him. Yeah, that's a pistic, And Stormzy, yeah. Stormzy basically said, you picked on the wrong effing rapper. Yeah. And then um, what uh, what did he do? My, Michael Gove put a, a Stormzy lyric. He mm. said, I, I set trends, the man copy. So it's all on, <laughs> on things. But it's, it's, it's you see what they do. It's a, and yeah. Stormzy spoke about it. It's very, it's almost like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to mm. mock you. I'm going to use your own lyrics. I'm mocking you, as you said. Mm. So it's almost like, you, I can't let you in this arena. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking you serious. You're just a rapper. Go and talk to, mm. you know what I mean? Go and talk. And I, again, it's no disrespect onto Stormzy mm. because of what Stormzy's saying and what he's doing, especially with the Cambridge stuff, mm. is impeccable. And I wish more people did mm. that. But as you and said- he's got his, um, the publishing company as well. The publishing company mm. as well. And as I said, I've got nothing but mad love for Stormzy. But as you said, these people- automatically tried to shut him down mm. just for the fact that he's a rapper. And I've seen it with Raheem Sterling. When he mm. spoke about, you know, racism and, and whatnot, he's just a footballer. Mm. Do you see that? It shuts the debate down. Yeah. So people in their mind is like, I'm not taking him seriously. Whereas if it was a Dr. Tony Sewell mm. or if it was somebody else, they might think, oh, I've got to be careful because I've got mm. to make sure that I'm, I know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. So that is kind of my thing. And again, it's not them, it's the media. Mm. And as again, um, Stormzy was the, um, he did a Guardian. He was mm. the editor of the Guardian. And he was talking about all those things, saying that sometimes, you know, he feels that, he, he, although he's where he is, he still feels there's a lot of battles that he needs to fight because people might not be taking him seriously. And he's a legit businessman. Mm. He's doing, he's our, he's our Jay-Z basically. Mm, yeah, he's our version of Jay-Z mm. and you know, more power to him and I'm proud of him and stuff like that. But that is the problem. It's the media perception and what they want to push out about us. And yeah. that's what, and again, we're talking a bit about Blue Story as well. Yeah. And these are the things that we've, all got a kind of battle with so mm. yeah but, um, I, I wanted you to com complete your explanation in regards sure. to like how that perception has an effect on our confidence sure as, as sorry individuals. Yeah. we're on a tangent there's my yeah fault. no no it's cool because <laughs> yeah. I, I was it was still in the back of my mind i'm like sure I, I, I get it but i haven't been able to articulate articulate it. It. Yeah. well if you've come from a background where all right let me give it to you in an analogy mm. if you come from a home so like look at the obamas so his daughter, so when Obama's long gone and dead, that Obama name from 200 years from now, they can say to their kid, your dad, your great, your ancestor was a president, used mm. to run this country. Mm. 
what do you think now from forever the Obama um, name he's changed his family line forever because he's they've always got that thing so you can have like the great grandson of Obama who's a crackhead Mm. but you always say your great grandfather Mm. was the president look at you pull yourself up by the bootstraps Mm. your look like look at your what your grandfather did right whereas if you come from a, a home where the, your your dad was a crackhead or mm. whatnot, what have you, it's the opposite effect. Mm. It's the opposite effect. So why I'm using that analogy is if you've got a community of people who are constantly being told they're criminals, mm-hmm. constantly being told you're just good at running and football, constantly being told they're poor, mm. constantly. So for example, when you look at the news coverage, there was a London stabbing all the time. You see our faces, you yeah. see that. Uh, why will you feel confident? Why yeah. will you feel like you can do anything? Yeah. Whereas if you've got some other... Again, if you look at another community, so again, going back to Eton or going back to these guys that go to these things, you know that your dad was runs this company. You know that your uncle was so this person. So you already person. feel a sense of confidence and Ex- empowerment. empowerment. Sort of, yeah. So we don't have enough of those figures. And that's the problem. And that is mm. why I think we, and again, even me, when I was writing the book, even me, I had my, my not my doubts, but again, I was thinking of what my colleague said. Look at what he said. You are a black, uh, black male. You're not going to be taken seriously. Now, big up my colleague. I understand what he was trying to say, saying that it's going to be hard. But he's but perpetuating that same negative ideology back onto you and ex- he's putting you down. Yeah. Exactly. So mm. if I was a different person, that might have just destroyed me writing the book. But mm. I had to fight that and say, you know what? Because there's a lack of people like myself that do that, I have to do it. I mm. felt compelled. I have to do it. And that's what we've... There's people that don't have that mind block. They can just go and do whatever they want. Mm. You know, if you think someone like Richard Branson, his kids, my dad started all these companies, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you go into any room with your chest out. (laughs) Exactly. But if you come from a home and you come from a working class background, I was Mm. raised in Barking. Mm. Barking's not pleasant. I grew up in Forest Gate. Gate? Yeah. We used to live there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I moved there when I was five, so we went out the frying pan into the fire. Field Road. Field Road, Balmoral Road. Yeah, 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 come on, come on, come on. (laughs) But again, when I think about my upbringing and I'm looking at barking and, you know, the things that I saw, it doesn't imbue me with that. 100%. Confidence. Mm. I, you know, I I once went on a field trip with some kids and we had to go like through Mayfair and even I was gasping at some of the Mm. things I saw there, the houses, Maydeville, the beautiful green spaces. Mm. All these things have a effect on your your, your mindset. That's why you've got a lot of these kids that are saying, I'm from the ends. I'm defending the ends. I'm Mm. from the ghetto. And look at even that. You're glorifying yeah. something which is not nice yeah. because you've been you've yeah. been I don't want to use the word brainwash, but you've been made to believe mm. that that's all there is. Yeah, and you should be proud of it. Exactly. I, I was watching a bit of content online. I think mm. it was like a couple of days ago, mm. and um, it was like a panel thing. And mm. there was there was this um, white mm. gentleman. There was a, mm. there was a young black dude, and mm. it's just like one of these question answer things. Yeah, and. Um, they were asking the guy, the black guy, about his background. And he yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, I'm from Northwest or something. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm from the ends, but like, oh, yeah. the ends is shitty. And Bear Man mm. got shot, stabbed, boom, 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 boom. But yeah, I rep the ends, I love the ends. And then the guy was like, the, guy, the, the guy's face completely changed. Like, what, what, what? Hold, hold on one moment. Wait, yeah. wait. Yeah. Are you proud of all of this? Mm. Like, it was a complete shock to him. He goes, wait, mm. if you come from a shithole, as, you, mm. as you're describing it, <laughs> and all of these bad things happen, why are you so excited about it? He goes, oh, yeah, but it made me who I am. Now I'm successful on YouTube. I got hundred and something thousand followers, mm. and the guy was like, "Wait, wait, but hold on, that's you. 
Mm. One person, one outlier. Mm. What about the rest, rest of the, the people them who are in jail, the rest of them who've been injured through mm-hmm. crime, the rest mm. of them who've, who've been through hell and back? Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it might have made you who you are in terms of like your personality, which is now being like monetized and yeah. you're making money off of it. Yeah. You as an individual, mm. but as a collective, that's mm. not something you should be proud of as such. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, I feel it in two ways because obviously coming from the ends, I'm proud of coming from the ends. Yes, like, the yeah, I grew up in gay. gay. Like, there's yeah, certain yeah, things yeah, that yeah, I know yeah, that yeah, other yeah. people don't. There's certain yeah. skills I've acquired. Yeah. But then I'm an outlier to being able to come out of that due to maybe family making the right sure. decisions sure. And, off, uh, and offering me opportunities, sure. which then taking me out of it. Do you mm. see what I mean? You so know. It, it's confusing. It's like... Do, I want to maintain pride of where I come from in terms of like yeah. how he's developed me as a human being, but as an overall, mm. has it done better for the people within the community or not? Do you see what I mean? I think for, it's it's. I think going back to what Nipsey Hussle said because they asked Nipsey, "May so rest in peace." Why mm. do you still live in Crankshaw or in why Crankshaw? Mm. And his why do he goes because okay, I'm from here. I love mm. here, but I'm trying to change here. Yeah, I love the way he said that. He goes, "I'm from here." I'm not glorifying, but I'm trying. And he did. Mm. He bought up a lot of properties. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was yeah. giving people jobs. His clothes shop, in fact, that's where he got shot. Mm. He was even, and uh, that day, he was going to go and talk to the police about how do we incre- um, improve relationships mm. between the community. And I love that idea. If you are from the ends, because I'm from the bits, mm. I'm from Barking, you know. And again, I love what you said because there's certain skills and certain mindsets. Oh, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always believe maybe I'm wrong and don't get at me Northwest, mm. you know, North, um, uh, West, <laughs> South. Don't get onto me. This yeah. is my personal theory because when I was coming up, that's when grime was coming up as well. Yeah. So that's when all them East guys, London East London thing. Yeah. And I take that with pride because I think within East, there's a, there was a, mind, there's a hustler's mindset. Mm. I think that, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's not there. It was there, pioneering at the it's time. It's a pioneering yeah, thing. Definitely. So that is exciting when you're mm. seeing, you know, Wiley used to come to the ends, Dizzy, mm. you know, people that know Dizzy. I grew up around the corner Kano. from D-Double. D-Double? Yeah, yeah, yeah around the corner. Wicked, yeah. but Jeremy, yeah. all them guys. And it gave, for me, the ends gave me that, when you're on like the cutting edge, mm. when you're seeing these guys, it gives you that thing of, I can do that too. Mm. And all these type of things. But my, my issue is, we've come to a point where we're not going back and we're not trying to change it. That's mm. my issue. Yeah. And that's the thing that as a community, so I'm not, you know, there's a lot, there's people a lot smarter than me that can't, can't figure mm. out the problem. It's a multifaceted problem. Oh, 100%. If, if and you, that's the yeah. word I always keep hearing because it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a multifaceted mm. problem. So when, as I say, representation is important mm. because I've had students come up to me and say, you know what, Mr. Trump, you know, Mr. 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 Trump Hoopay, what you've done, like you write in a book, I've never seen somebody write a book. Mm. You know, a black man write a book. So for me, I'm like, well, and I, I had to deep it because I was like, wow, you don't know any black authors? He goes, no, I don't know any black authors because mm. usually you see rappers and singers, but you are the first guy I know mm. who's a black man that's wrote a book. And then I realized how important it is for things like your channel mm. that people see that. As I said again, and I'll always keep on saying that, everybody deserves to get their voice heard. 100%. And we are coming in an age where especially with the Brexit arguments and all that, it's, it, it's kind of now muddied the waters mm. in terms of people feel that, you know, the, the rhetoric I can't stand like, oh, you've come here, you've messed up our country, mm. we want to take control, we want you out of our country. When, you know, we, a lot of us have come here and we've enriched the country. Yeah. We've worked hard, we pay our taxes. So I think it's important that we get more positive representation. 100%. And again, we've got Raheem Sterling, we've got Stormzy, big up. And again, mm. I'm such a big fan of Stormzy. And you know what, that movie did about the Cambridge thing, yeah. I thought was 
absolutely yeah, I just fantastic. admire his bravery because he's yeah. in a position of easy ridicule. Like yeah. you're, you're at the pinnacle. You're at the top of the, the food chain in, mm. in, in that realm. Mm. And it's like anything he says, he knows it can go against him, but he mm. still always says it. He says you it. You know what I mean? He says it with his chest. And there's people on a lower scale level who are kind of like scared to say something. Same thing. Because of their career. Yeah. But the thing is, what, what he's done is exactly, what he's done, he's come out of his hell. Mm. He's come out of the, the difficult situation and he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's mm. giving back to the community. He's not glorifying or saying, you know, he's saying, look, I've come out of this and I'm now I'm going to put back in. And I think at every level, if we all went and did that, just a bit of it, mm. we can make things a lot better. But the problem what we've got is we've, we're dealing with a media representation on one mm. side. And I'm sorry to say this and I might get shot down for this, but it's true. I'm a teacher. You've got, you've got certain what I call toxic cultural beliefs mm. that really can destroy that, that can destroy us and I, I i'm an educator and I, i've been in the game for 10 years so for example i remember when i was a ta in a primary school so when before i did my training mm -hmm. i remember there was a, a a black girl who was reading she was very studious mm -hmm. and she was getting ridiculed by our other um uh, a group of black girls that were bullying her so she was coming crying and i mm -hmm. said you know what's wrong she said oh because uh, she started crying, she told me, because I'm reading, they say I'm a white girl. Yeah, you sound white. Yeah, you sound white. Yeah. And I remember mm. I got those girls and I, I let it rip. Mm. I, I, I was so fuming. I said, so what are you saying then? I had to get these girls. They and I said, what are you saying? They say, so what? Reading is something only white people do. Mm. So what does that mean for you? Are you proud that you can't read then? Mm. So is that what you're saying? So, because she's doing what she what she needs to do and she was doing fantastic mm. in school. So what, you're trying to pull her down? Mm. I said, that's a very backwards mentality. I, I admit the girls, sorry girls. They probably, this was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Sorry girls, you're, you're old enough. But I said, yeah. you're thinking backward. Mm. You should be applauding your friend and saying every time you're reading, you should be happy for it. Yeah. So you want to stop her from reading so that what, she can fit in with you? Mm. Nah, I said, yeah. you, that's a I think I think some of our cultural acceptances have been like, mm. have been to our greatest downfall, like majorly. And sometimes it's hard to say it because you feel like you're not, not only are you attacking yourself, but you're attacking your, your own community. people and your community. Because mm. even something ridiculous, like, so I, mm. I like extreme sports. Like yeah. whenever I go on holiday, I'll yeah. jump off a mountain, I'll do something mad. Raw. Like okay. I can ice skate, I can swim. Like so you're on some, that, that Tom Cruise Mission Impossible business. I, yeah? I, I do a lot, I do a lot of stuff. And it's like, <laughs> whenever I'm telling people, they're like, you do everything though. Like you do martial you do this, you do that, you do that. Like mm. you do a lot of white sports, you do a lot of white things. And and it's, it's I always hear it. It's like, oh, what, you can ice skate? What, you, like, where did you Still learn that, that from? Do you know what I mean? Like, and what we don't understand is the, the continuous like perpetuation of that. Yeah, it, yeah. it puts us down and it brings us back like mm. 10 steps back because it, we, yeah. we, we're, we're not enabling ourselves to move forward and to develop new skills and, and mm. develop new circles of friends and learning new things. Exactly. And if, you, if, you, if you're not strong-minded, and do you see that? Do you, there's a common thread here. So when... And again, I'm not critiquing the community, but I want to be honest. One thing mm. I've always said to myself is I want to be honest and I can't defend um, some of the stuff. I can't defend mm. it. I'll always back my people. But at the same time, we've got to be brutally honest. As a mm. teacher, that is part of my remit. I have to reflect on my practice. Mm. And those type of things there get me mad because it's again, going back to what I was saying, a 21st century skill is being able to connect things together and different ideas. Mm. How can you connect things together if all you ever do is you're in amongst in and amongst the same people mm. all the time? You're doing things. You've got to learn mm. how to uh, to be able to, to do things. That, mm. And that's how it becomes in, innovative. Mm. So if you're saying, okay, that's a white sport or that's a Chinese sport or that's mm. a whatnot, you're just hemmed in. Mm. You're hemmed in. If you, if, if you look at, so for example, Drake, Mm. what I like about him is that 
he is very clever because he takes inspiration from and everywhere. influence from everywhere. Yeah. He was bigging yeah. up the UK scene. He was doing them things. If you look at Top Boy, yeah. okay, which is another controversial program, but I found it interesting that he was watching it and he said, where's the third series? Yeah. I watched the interview and he said, it's nowhere. And he, Do you know, there's, sorry yeah, to you, there's yeah. one thing that through the whole Drake saga that yeah. I've realised that I dislike now. I dislike the word cultural appropriation. Mm. I, I mean, because studying Drake and, mm. and then studying culture and the world in general, I just realised that... Mm. The word doesn't make sense. Obviously, no. there's people that will yeah. use it for their own economic benefit. Like yeah. we know, there's powerhouses that be like, "Oh, they've yeah. got that. Yeah. How do we get into it?" <laughs> but like, if if your white neighbor, for instance, rocks dreadlocks, mm. and you're like, "Oh, you can't have dreadlocks because you're not black." That's mad. And when you look mm. at history as well, dreadlocks actually started from the Vikings. <laughs> like Greeks had dreadlocks <laughs> yeah. before Rastafarians rocked dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was yeah. there was people of oriental yeah. color or people of olive skin or mm. white skin that, mm. that had dreadlocks. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but maybe maybe because the culture has been driven more by one particular race, then we kind of claim it. But to me, a world, an ideal world is where we share and take ideas from each other. You have to. And and that's what makes us a better society. Do you, you see what I mean? You have to. The thing is, the problem I've got is that if, if we're guy, if like what Drake was was doing, now people say, oh, Drake was, um, he's having a beef with Wiley and saying, mm. Wiley's saying he's just using, he's cutting. Wiley's on one lately. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, Wiley's I'm saying, and a big up, Big up, big up Wiley as well because I don't want Wiley because Wiley he, he fires shots and I love Wiley as well. But Wiley was saying that, you know, he's only using the UK scene to kind of big up himself. But I'm like, Top Boy was a very big cultural thing. I grew up watching Top Boy. But the fact that Drake resurrected it virtually single-handedly, he said, look, find the guy that wrote it. Mm. I've forgotten the guy's name. He rung him and he goes, he thought it was a joke because it had the, the panel. And he goes, I'm Drake. Drake who? Because he didn't know about music because mm. I'm Drake. Drake. And he said, have you got a script? Mm. And he goes, look, I've set up a meeting with Netflix, let's go there. Mm. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. So he's mm. paid into the, our culture and he's taken our culture. I think at one point, Top Boy was the third watched series in the world and mm. the top 10 series in the world. And that's British culture. Although it's, again, there's things we can, it's problematic. Yeah, what's but British it's, culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, what's British yeah. culture. But what I'm saying is that if you, as long as you revere and you respect the source material, yeah. and again, what I'll argue is, as long as the people that originally done it have a say or they have a slice in terms of yeah. ownership of it. As long as you're not making jollof rice in a bag exactly. with tomato sauce and calling jollof rice and taking that's J that, jerk that's rice, different. punchy jerk yeah, rice. Punchy, yeah. As long as you're not doing weird stuff like that, yeah, and not getting the people involved, like exactly. The, yeah. That's where I've got the problem. So, if, for mm. example, going back to the jollof rice thing. I don't care if you're a Chinese man yeah. and you're making jollof, yeah. whatnot, I don't care. Now, where mm. I think the problem will lie is if I'm making, if the, the Chinese, the white man, whoever, mm. they're not even referencing. They're not, when yeah, they say, where did you get the jollof rice from? Yeah. That's Chinese recipe. Mm. You're like, no, it's not. If you're not even consulting, if you just say, look, I got it from a Ghanaian, no problem, yeah. or I got it from a, a Zambian or whatever. Mm. But where you are not crediting the source, mm. that's the problem. So those people, and again, that's a mindset thing. Because mm. if you speak to most, if you speak to billionaires and millionaires and all these guys, they do it all. The, that's where they get their ideas from. Yeah. You get, mm. and two, when they talk about creativity, you, you don't have to reinvent the world. Right, you just get two different ideas, marry them together, mm -hmm. and that's what it becomes. It be yeah. it becomes something different. So we've, as a community, and I know I'll probably be crucified for this, but I'll, I have to keep it real to myself. Mm. Yes, there's certain things that are happening over here which is not right. Mm. There is, you know, racism. There's a systematic racism mm. as well. But on the other side, when you look at the the parenting and you look at the yeah. other issues there, we. In some cases, we've got to do better. Yeah. In some cases, we've got to do better as a community, as mm. families, and we and 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 we've got to be able to say to each other, mm. 
what we're doing is not right. We've yeah. got to change the I narrative. think it comes, it definitely starts with accountability. Yeah. Um, I, what, one of the issues I have with people when I'm having like discussions in regards mm. to the community and stuff is mm. like, there's no accountability. Mm. It's always them. Like, mm. it's always them. It's like, mm. so if I go out and do your madness, it's mm. always because of them. <laughs> but sometimes you have to replay it back and just continuously ask yourself questions and dig deeper and dig deeper as in how you yourself on a micro level can solve issues. Sure. So uh, uh, let me ask you one question. So sure. let's say there's one thing that you could implement, like a law, a sure. rule, mm. and the community has to follow this rule for like set years or mm. whatever mm. to make the greatest change. What mm. would that be? So like you can, mm. you can do one thing. You can w wave a wand and be like, okay, everyone in the community now has to abide by this one rule sure. to make the greatest change. What would that be? Easy, easy, easy yeah. answer for me. Um, economic empowerment, anything to do with mm. economic empowerment. So mm. the one rule, if it was if strictly one macro mm. rule, save 10% of your money. Yeah. That's, if that's the one rule I was mm. allowed to have, have I'll hopefully I have a package rule, but I'd say mm. one rule, okay, save 10% of your money. But the, the biggest rule I think for the community would mm. be economic yeah. lessons i'll say in fact no let me just scratch that i'll say for a year i'm this is what i'll do i'm going to mm. open a college that every single person has to go through mm. and i'm going to get the best financial minds economic minds mm. and for every day for one hour not every day every week for one hour you're going to sit and you're going to attend these classes there's no degrees yeah. there's no qualification from what age from 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 year seven from 11 mm all the way to 18, you have to attend. Yeah. The reason why I argue this, and this is my biggest point in terms of, I've been in education for 10 years. The problem that you've got here, the reason why I think what the biggest, I've got to be careful what I say. Mm. I think one of the main issue that we've got is that there are people that have massive head starts over us. Mm. People that in terms of, so for example, if you look at schools, I don't know if you know about catchment areas or whatnot. Yeah, so if, for example, yeah. if you're, if you, so if you live in Maidavelle mm. or you live in Chelsea, you are obviously going to come from more affluent area. If you come from more affluent area, that means that there's, there's certain things there. there'll be better mm. schools, there'll be better systems. Mm. Better schools means that you get better entry into better unis. Better unis mean you'll get better jobs, so on and so forth. So it's a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And as I was saying, if you're running a race and it's hundred meters, some people have already got their toe on the line. Mm. You're not even running a hundred meters, you're running a marathon. They tell you it's 100 meters, mm. but it's a marathon. And the, 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 the reason why, the, f the thing I've come up with is that on an economic level, we, there's certain things we just don't understand. Yeah, and we're at the bottom of the scale. Exactly. Mm. We don't understand in terms of how home ownership. We don't understand mm. in terms of wealth, um, wealth creation, giving people jobs. Because that's what they, not even being rude, that's what like the upper class do. The mm. upper class will give jobs to each other. So yeah. they'll say, look, my dad's got, a law firm here, mm. not, not even my dad, me and you have got kids, mm. you're in, I don't know, PWC or whatnot, mm. I'm in Clifford Chance. I'm the, I'm a top guy there, you're the top guy there. My son wants to go and learn about Internship. economics. Yeah. Boom, mm -hmm. tell him, put my name on the top of the thing. Yeah. That is what the problem is. And when you go, go and watch the Reggie Nelson interview with mm. uh, Freezer Social, and he was saying exactly that, there's so many things we do not understand. Mm. So, it's like me putting you on a football pitch and you've never learned how to play football. Of course, you're not going to do well. Mm. And that is the biggest, I think, the biggest problem. Because I think once people know how to economically look after themselves, mm. and again, what I'm saying again is not even me. Martin Luther King said this mm -hmm. because he said, you know, what would you say to the black community? There's a famous thing where he, they asked him, what would you say to the black community about pulling up your bootstraps? He goes, that's all well and good. What if you don't have boots? boots yeah. and what if you don't have feet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that, yeah. that analogy of pulling up mm. your bootstraps is wrong. Malcolm X said it. Marcus Garvey said it. 
So many people have said it. Jay-Z have, uh, has said it. It's the same thing. We've got to now, as a community, start to learn how to do these things. And if we can start to learn to do these things, then we, we, we have the economic power, the clout to say, look, if our area starts getting fixed up, so just say we went back to Gate, mm. Barky and Bow, we, instead of getting um, all these guys to come and, and build new flats, regenerate, mm. we, gener we, we do the regen ourselves. Mm. Then we can go to the schools and say, listen, we've fixed up this area. Yeah. You need to give us better schools. We need to get better teachers. You start to attract different people in because mm. they're thinking, right, Barking's all fixed up. People, the affluent will start mm. to come in. And do you see it starts to have a knock-on effect? But yeah. if you cannot do those things, so I went to Brixton the other day and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. I saw there's a Whole Foods market I've seen there. Brixton and Peckham nowadays. I can't believe what I'm seeing from back in the day. It's, it's funny, back in the day, I wouldn't even step foot, foot in there. <laughs> yeah, if you're from East. But now, they, you, now you go there with colleagues for drinks and like rooftop <laughs> bars and little trendy spots. Marks and, and Spencers is in Brixton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marks and yeah. Spencers. I mean, it's, it's, still got, it's still got the madnesses. Yeah. But overall now, it's got a better feel to it and the energy is getting better now. It's different you know because... I mean? It's trendy, it's cool. My like, boy's from there and my mm. boy was telling me, I was like, tell me, what the hell is going on? Because again, as you said, you've still got that thing. Obviously, I'm a grown man. I'm not mm. affiliated to nobody. Yeah, but so when you're young, now, you're yeah. like, don't go down there. Mm. And he just said to me, what's ended up happening was Google built... Um, um, not Google. Is it Google? One of them big tech mm. companies has got a hub in Clapham. Oh, so okay. all their workers had to come. Yeah. And obviously, so what that's happened is all the, obviously they're getting good pay. Mm. They come into the area. They bring, so when people, like all the retailers say, ah, oh, okay, we've got all these affluent guys coming into the area. Mm. I can put a mask yeah. But what's ended up happening is the local landlords have said, oh, okay, we've got affluent mm. guys. So they've Price tripled the up. rent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he goes, a lot of people have been moved into Croydon. Yeah. So what ends up happening yeah. is, is a ghettoization. So a lot mm. of those guys get pushed into Croydon. And now. the ownership wasn't there. So the people that lived there originally that could have bought the houses on a discount didn't purchase didn't it. Didn't purchase because yeah. how would you know yeah. how to do that? So it's like a West London story. Mm. It's like, I mean, mm -hmm. I, well, I used to work in Marks and Spencer's as a kid mm. and um, there was a lot of old Caribbeans who came there from the Windrush generation. Yeah. And um, there was one lady in particular, she had bought a house for like, I don't know, 15 grand or something. Mm -hmm. Like a massive house in Kensington. Country house, yeah. Like, I don't know, Kensington or Kinsel Rise, I forgot. Yeah. But it was in that area. Yeah. Like a ridiculously... I don't know, like Victorian floors. Yeah. You, know, you know the one I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. And I remember during the time in a minute, she was like, oh, she just had her house evaluated and it's worth a couple of million. And of she's old now. Of course. And, and, but she, she said all of her neighbours that live next to all the other Caribbeans, they've all been moved out. They've all been moved out to Birmingham, Manchester, wherever. So all the people that didn't own their houses, they've been kicked out to other council houses now because yeah. the value of the house has gone so high now that the owners, the original landlords, have they made can't afford it, it. And they can't afford it. So imagine mm. all the people that lived in Brixton initially, like all the, all the Africans that initially went there, all the Caribbeans. Imagine they actually owned their thing. And then you can't be getting pushed mm. out. Even Barking, my old town. What's ended up happening was, and I saw this before I left, what ended up happening was, because the Olympics came in, I think, I don't know, I can't remember the exact figure, but hundreds of millions of pounds was mm -hmm. invested to build mm -hmm. the stadiums and whatnot. So you remember the 2012 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. What ended up happening was, all those, they had to knock down a lot of council houses. Mm -hmm. Now you, you're you looking at half a mil, 650,000 to get a two bedroom flat there. Mm. They moved a lot of those guys to Barking. Mm. A lot of those guys come from, from uh, came to Barking. And now what you've got is now Barking in terms of the crime and stuff, it, it's got a lot worse because mm. you've got a lot of people that are disenfranchised who again, you know, you've been kicked out of where you know, mm. you bring all those problems there. 
right? Now Barking's be re regenerated. These yeah. guys getting pushed further. Yeah, so going to say it's changed a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unrecognizable. I'm, yeah. I'm glad because yeah. there was murder and killing. But mm. the problem is what you're doing is you're pushing people out and people are having less and less choices. Yeah, so so the what somebody being shifted. Yeah. Exactly. So what ends up happening is what they said about Boris Johnson when I, uh, ironically he was the mayor of London. He wants to make London for rich people. So mm. London is just going to be for the rich and everybody else can bugger off like mm. Paris. And that is the problem. When you do not own anything, using the words of Tyler Perry, when you have no ownership, you have no say. Yeah. This is not your house. You if you right, live here, yeah. so where, you know, this studio, if it was not yours, mm. somebody can come, the landlord can come and say, mm. get out. There's yeah. nothing you I'm can do about it. Hey, exactly. <laughs> no one can never tell you nothing. Yeah. And I think our American friends honestly have mm. that. They've got that in their heads. Like mm. when I was watching, like, again, Tyler Perry saying he wanted to own it. Mm. He wanted to own his studio. He didn't want anyone telling him what mm. to do. Steve Harvey said the same thing about, you know, he was getting kicked out because he, he was homeless at one point mm. and he was go fishing and he'd get kicked. And he goes, I made sure that wherever I stand, mm. I'm going to own. Mm. And I think we've really got to, especially with now this Brexit, we have now as a community and as people and again and let's not let's remind ourselves it's not only us that is in this if you're a working class there are many working class white people that i work with mm. who are in exactly the same problem yeah all right and the problem is in this country we, it's not even an issue of color it's an issue of class yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's definitely a class it's a world. class thing so yeah. you can even be a white person mm -hmm. who is struggling yeah and that there's is, worse ghettos outside of London like yes. in terms of estates like if you yeah. head to certain places Liverpool like li they're like ghost this. towns yeah definitely they're ghost towns mm -hmm. and that's I think going back to what you were saying I think if the community can really start to look into that and start to look at in terms of we live in the information age getting the right information mm -hmm. not just relying on school but getting the right information so going back to your, your friend you were talking about mm -hmm. um, she bought the, the, the townhouse mm -hmm. imagine she sells that for just say 1.5 million which mm -hmm. is a conservative estimate she gives that to her children. Just say she has four children. They mm -hmm. can all buy houses. See how the wealth is just filtered down. Yeah. So their family line, if they're smart, that is how these things start. If you think about things like Morrison's, Morrison's was a stall. You know, like yeah. a, just a stall yeah, you see, stall. a market yeah. stall. Yeah. And the dad built it into one or two shops. Mm. But his son, who recently, he passed away, I think a year or two mm. ago, took those shops and said, we can make it a big brand. Mm. So imagine the dad started something so small, a little mm. market store. It was and, yeah. and exactly, his son took it mm. and made it a multi-billion pound business. Mm. That is, and again, it's a long-term strategic view of mm. saying, okay, I might not see, I used to work for John Lewis. Mm. And again, John Lewis was, you know, a family business of merchants. And again, his son, John Speed and Lewis, because we, we, we had an induction and we yeah, learned the, the history of the company. <laughs> exactly. He took it on. And that is the generational thing. It, they said it took mm. um, thousands of years to see um, to build the Great Wall of China. Mm. And they all, the workers all knew that what we are working on, we are never going to yeah, see. Some of us are going to die here. Exactly. Yeah. We're never going to see in our lifetime what mm. we're working on. But the fact that they had the long-term strategic view and that thing was built, you know, thousands of years and it still stands. Mm. It still stands. And that is what we have got to do. It's a relay race. Mm. And the problem is what ends up happening is we're running a marathon and it's not only, it's a marathon where we're passing the yeah, baton. Passing the baton yeah. Other people are passing the baton successfully, but what we're doing, we drop the baton, mm. the new generation have to take that baton right back to the beginning mm. and start running again. And then when we reach that yeah. point again, we drop the baton, mm. we go right back to the beginning. So we are, we are not going higher. Now things are improving. I don't want to make it all doom and gloom. Mm. Things are improving, but we have, it's, it's definitely a, mind a mindset thing. 
and it's a it's an economic thing, and that's the best I can come up with. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but that's and, my opinion. And I think it has to be a collective movement as well, because yeah. if various individuals are doing it here and there, fair enough, yeah. it might work for them. But if, mm. if you're gonna have a major impact, it always has to be collective. I feel. Yeah, of course, yeah, it has to be a collective understanding. Mm. Um, I was recently speaking to. Um, Oh no, I cannot forget. No, Craig, Craig Pickney, yeah. my guy for Birmingham. Oh yes, wicked, Craig, oh, big amazing. fan, big amazing fan. guy, like amazing, like the passion. And he, he was he when he started talking about like the community and we need to stop being distracted. Like mm. I've never felt that level of energy come. He's a huge guy as well, and I never <laughs> he felt that it. level. He looks of, like a bear. <laughs> I look tiny next to him. Like I've never felt that level of energy and mm. and honesty and truth that as a community sometimes we're distracted. Like our culture is full of distractions. Mm. Like so much distractions. Mm. If you look at the music industry, if you just look at the way we we enjoy and engage with life, it's full of mm. so many distractions. When we can't afford to be distracted based on what's happening in the community, mm. and I've realized that distraction is such a big thing, and it's something that we need to like realize that okay cool mm. there, there is problems at hand there's things that need to be fixed in order mm. for there to be an everlasting mm. level of distraction that we can thoroughly enjoy properly sure but now we're being distracted without solving issues at hand but you know what Pressing i think that issue. is no but i think you're spot on but you know what i think about it is again it's the home values it's the values mm. and unfortunately what i think has gone wrong and again it, i'll probably get crucified for this but i'm just talking from an educator mm. as point of view you've got a situation where Parents, I feel like what's happened is, is, is I'm a second generation, okay? I was born in Af, but I came here when I was very, very young, yeah, okay? Yeah. So as for all intents and purposes, I've had both worlds. Mm. And what you've got is, when I was growing up, it was very, very strict. My parents were very, very strict at the time. They were quite religious, mm. but they inculcated me with certain values. So for example, one of the values that my parents taught me was the value of work. And my parents would always say, you know, my dad, you know, may so rest in peace. My dad would say something along the lines of, you know, I've never, he'll be proud of, I've never taken a day of sick. I've never claimed benefits. Mm. That was his thing. And that, those values subconsciously, I work hard, mm. you know what I'm saying? And, you know, sometimes you think, where do you get this drive from? It's because I was raised with certain values. There's mm. certain beliefs. There's certain programs. What we're talking about with Eton. Mm. You've, if you've got that program where you are the elite, you're mm. going to carry that through, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. What I think has happened, and again, is, is the, the, the value of parenting. Mm. So obviously, you know, I look at my parents and I'm thankful for what they've done for me. But, you know, when you look back, I'm a parent myself now. I think, mm, okay, they were a bit too strict on this. Mm. But what we've done is we've gone from one extreme, which is we were really strict. If you look at people's grandparents or great-grandparents mm. now, like the Windrush generation, I talked to a couple of these people, they say, I got beaten up, dad, mm. da, 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 da. But now we've gone to completely the other side, yeah. which is now we want to be friends with our children. Mm. You know, I'm, I once, I'm no word of a lie, what I'm, this is absolutely true story I'm telling you. I once rung a parent because I won't mention the boy, young man's name. Mm. Just say John. John was, um, um, he was messing around and I was his form tutor. So he mm. jumped on the table, he was shouting, he was swearing at the Serious. teacher. True stories. Mm. I rung the parent and I said, look, there's a problem. John's being put in inclusion, which is basically, you just get stuck in a room the day. Mm. It's like isolation, isolation in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I rung the parent and I said to the parent, you know, your son, you know, he's been messing around. John's been messing around. And I'll never forget what the, she goes, mm. John is such a good boy. John is brilliant. You know, he's not, he doesn't beat me up or he doesn't swear at me. What? And I remember, yeah, I did the same mm. thing. I said, sorry, the line broke. It didn't break, but I was just confused. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he doesn't beat me up or swear at me. And I go, with all due respect, ma'am, he shouldn't be doing that anyway. And he goes, no. And then she started to tell me, she said that some of her, uh, 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 other parents she speaks to, their sons rule the, or children rule mm. the roost. They're getting slapped in the face beaten up because That's he's never crazy. done that but I said 
is the standard got so low. When I go to a car dealership to buy a car, mm. I don't say, do the wheels and the steering wheel come with this? Mm. Do I, will I get an engine? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it comes as standard. Yeah. But I thought, we have set the standard so low now mm. that that's the fact that the child does not hit you or swear at you so like is a win. It's is like a win. Mad, yeah. We've set the standard so low and it's kind of, again, that thing. And I talk to a lot of parents and a lot of parents are like, oh, you know, I just want them to talk to me and I want them to be like my friend. Yeah. I've spoken to parents say, yeah. we're not even like friends. We're like my kids. Yeah. Exactly. I was in a situation last year, last academic year, where there was a young man, we had to do like um, a mediation mm. and the, the mum come in and the young man was like, you know what? Forgive my friend. You know, fuck you. Like mm. to his mum. Shut the fuck up. In front of everyone? Up. Whoa. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Shut up. You're an idiot to the point where myself and my colleague had to intervene and say, you don't talk to your mum. She gets on my effing nerves. She's always talking. And I said to the mum, does he live with you? I was, I was trying to yeah. ascertain the situation. Yeah, yeah we're going to go home together. And I so thought, wow. an abusive asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, if, that was, if I said that, I said, if I ever did that to my parents, I'm either going to die or I'm moving out. But I said, and I had to say to him and I had to try and break it down to him, but she gets on my effing, I took him out of the room and I was like, you can't talk to your mum like that, but she gets on my effing nerves. It doesn't matter. Is it a two-parent household? Yeah, the dad wasn't Mm. about, but Mm. I was like, I remember I was talking to my colleague and I was in shock. I go, how can, you know what I mean? The standards, but I spoke to the mum and he goes, you know what, it's my fault because the the dad wasn't around. I felt I had to be more relaxed on him because of the thing. But she goes, now I realise because I was too relaxed on him, Mm. he feels he can do whatever he wants. Mm. And I said, now what's happened is the problem in your home has become our problem. It's going to be a societal problem. And exactly. Mm. And when he leaves, because he can't stay in, you know, he's always Mm. getting kicked out of lesson. How's he going to cope in the workplace? Mm. So these are the issues. And again, probably going to get crucified for this, but people don't realise, and I don't want, I'm not feeding into the, the dad narrative. I'm trying not mm. to feel into the absent black dad narrative, mm. okay? Because there's things like dope black dads. I don't know if you've seen I it. I know them, yeah. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're wicked. They're brilliant. Mm-hmm. But again, from an educator's point of view, if I'm not even just talking about dads. If you do not make a stable home for your kid, it's mm. going to affect their education. Yeah. If you don't make, that is the biggest, for me, if you asked me and said, Carl, tell me the biggest thing I can do for my kid. To get them the GCSEs, to get them the grade. What's the biggest thing? Is there a mm. book, a website? I say, love your wife. Hundred percent. Love your wife. Yeah. Love your home. Come greet them. Say hello. How mm. are you, son? How are you, daughter? Mm. That's the greatest thing yeah. because once you set that as the bedrock, mm-hmm. they can emotionally regulate themselves. They know what healthy dialogue is. They'll make mm. better friends. Once you can do that. I'm telling you, the grades will take care of themselves. Yeah. Because if you've got a kid, I don't care how smart you are as a kid, you're, you're seeing your mum beat up your dad. Mm. You're seeing your dad beat up your mum because oh, mm. your mum, sorry, it, it goes vice versa. versa yeah. You've got alcohol problems. The environment, when they go outside, their gangs or whatever, they're seeing shooting. Mm. These things all go into the programming of the mind. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if, if they are, so for example, if they have not got a stable home, they're going to look for stability. Where's the stability? So oh, there's a group of friends. Yeah. They show me love. They care about me. Yeah. Youngest. And it makes me laugh. They say, he's my older. How old is he? 15. And they're mad proud to say <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> no, like, 15. They're mad proud to say it. Yeah. He's an older. And again, just to touch on, uh, for just I know time. If you look at Blue Story, and again, big up Rap Man for that. That was an impeccable piece of work. into mm. creative work. 
But as we were saying yeah. before, if you look at that dynamic, you've got people who are emotionally damaged looking after people, younger people. Mm. So one of the characters, I won't do spoilers, obviously had signs of PTSD. Yeah. Serious trauma. When he was in the car, just I won't spoil it too much, mm. but when he was in the car and he was saying, this has happened to me and I can't sleep mm. and... Um, I talk, he goes, I talk to this person who died. I'm mm. talking. And even the other guy was like, what were you? you know? yeah, <laughs> He's yeah, like, brother, are you yeah. okay? Even he locked up straight away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are you okay? But this guy is a leader. So you've got somebody who's got clear mental problems leading a group of boys and telling them what to do. Mm. That is, do, do you see the destructive yeah. pattern? Yeah. And then again, it was a part of the, one of my favorite parts of the film was when one of the guys said, why are we doing this? Mm. He's went it, to the other yeah, he, goes, he, he walked away from the guy. He yeah. goes, why am I doing this? Yeah, oh, you scared, bro. You scared? He goes, we're fighting for things that are not even ours. Yeah. yeah. Why? He goes, I think that's when it clicked for him. He, he just didn't get it. He didn't get yeah. it. So that's, that's, that's the thing. Mm. And again, that's what we need to focus on. I'll say, okay, yes, we're battling this. Mm. But again, we've got to go back to basics. We've got yeah. to go and look at what are we doing? And I think once we do that, and again, I don't know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. All I can talk from is an educator's point of view. Yeah. But this is a, a clear issue because we're not all of us are footballers. Not all of us are rappers. And there's mm -hmm. no disrespect to them. But the problem I've got is if you're a rapper or you're a footballer, you, do you realise your chances? How, mm -hmm. And I say this to yeah. my thing. <laughs> yeah. Sir, you're a hater. I say, I'm not Give them hating. The stats. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying it's like winning the lottery. Yeah, do you 100%. think you're the only kid? And I say this, 100%. how much do you practice? I practice once every three days. Mm -hmm. I go, there's somebody right now that's practicing every day. Yeah. They've got a ball. Yeah. They're doing kicks. Even in the classroom. To, to <laughs> school, after school. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're going you're gonna to beat them. You're going to beat them. You're not going to beat them. So you need to kind of open your mind and look at those type of things. And that's what, I'm not saying don't go into music, don't go into football. I was in, in music, mm -hmm. but you can't, this is what scares me. Is when I talk to the youngsters, what do you want to do? I want to be a baller. Mm. I want to be a rapper, sir. Mm. What about anything else? Look, nah, I dead that. Yeah. That's dead. Why do I want to work on nine to five? That's yeah. so dead, bruv. Work in the office, bruv. Yeah. Okay, I know it's not ideal. I know, but you've got to, I'm not even saying having backup plans, but okay, what if the football team, we've got to think more strategically. Mm. In this, yeah, and I think what, it's what yeah. we put out there as well. And mm. that's that's one thing I'm enjoying about the podcast and the individuals mm. I'm meeting, even yeah. like yourself. So mm. it's, it's putting out the different heroes within the community because Thank, yeah. sometimes we, we, well, not sometimes, all the time, it's only a particular type of individual we're showing. Mm. There's only a particular level of success or a particular mm. type of success that we're showing, mm. i.e. the rapper or the sports personnel. Mm. When there's so many more other mm. avenues, like I've mm. got friends who like, mm. who are working in finance at the ultimate level. level. Mm. I've got friends who are like investors, friends mm. who, I've got a friend right now, he actually, He's, he's one of the first people to actually own his own club. I work with him. He's actually what, nightclub or yeah, yeah. He, he's actually one of the first people in London. So he's like ghost, yeah. He ain't talking. He ain't talking people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's ghost on the tummy and he's incredibly inspirational even though he's a low key character like mm. he actually owns a place he's got a place on lease bang in the middle of London like right in Allgate do you know what wow. I mean? I'm going to have him on the podcast. Congratulations. And, and to me, Wicked. those are the individuals that we should be celebrating within the community of because course. Not, not to say that we should forget about the others, but we should be showing more the spectrum of like people of that, are, that are supposedly classified as successful or it, are doing stuff. That's the thing. I, somebody gave me a, a, a bit of a test and he said, name 10, you know, people from the BAM community, like big business people, but especially mm. black people. And I was stumped. Yeah. And he goes, you can't use rappers or you can't use footballers. That's, Tim Tim Campbell. Yeah. 
That's yeah. yeah. You, I can't even think of ten. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. it's only recently that yeah. I, and that's through the yeah. podcast yeah. that I started create that's that I started mm. develop. I, I, I got I got I got a good circle of friends. I've yeah. got people that are really successful doing stuff. But then mm. majority of my friends are Asians. Like I'm talking about my close close <laughs> friends. Yeah. They're like Bengalis, Pakistanis, and stuff. So mm. they got family lineage of business. Mm. Like I've got friends who own franchises who are like major Sick. players and stuff. But um, in mm. terms of like being able to name like a handful of black people in particular as successful mm. it's only recently when I started doing the podcast that mm. I started getting in contact with real successful people on a different level oh, that are doing course. major stuff globally like mm. I recently um, got close to Emmanuel Thompson no Emmanuel Thompson Emmanuel uh, what's, what's his surname Oh, forget. He's a black farmer. He owns a farm. He he sells, oh, he sells products. Um, he had a documentary. Did he have a documentary, have on, a documentary the on the BBC? BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I've forgotten the name of it. I saw. I know who you're it's talking terrible about. Terrible because I've got him on my phone book now. He's actually one of my new homies. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, like he, he's a he's a he's a successful author. He he supplies like major um major businesses and major shops with like. And mm. food products and he has sure. a farm like I don't know no black farmer in the UK if I was to talk about black farmers we'd be back home in Africa yeah. <laughs> you feel know what I mean and, and that's mm. like low level farming mm. but mm. he's on the highest level scale and it, it, it was kind of like inspirational to me to start meeting these individuals now of and he started giving me a different level of confidence and a different level of like self-belief that okay there are people here that are doing it They're beyond doing what I think can we, be done can be done and again what I mean? and what we need to kind of do and this Manuel is what Jones. Emmanuel Jones, yes, that's the one. Because yes. he had he was on BBC. I remember I wanted yeah. to watch it. And in fact, because you've said that, I'm gonna go and find it. No, definitely. But you're saying I've got a podcast with him as well. Yeah, oh, you got a podcast? Yeah, yeah, it's on my channel. I need to go and watch it. But he was yeah. talking about I remember because I saw clips of it and he was talking about going to farmers market and people mm. were just looking at him like Yeah. And he and he was yeah. laughing about it. He goes, yeah. and I think the interviewer said, Oh, something like, Do you get like does it bother you? He goes, Nah, I find it's a good chuckle. He's that type of character. Yeah, yeah. he goes, and that's why funny. he came up with the name the black farmer. He's like it's <laughs> it's provocative, but at the same time it's just him, he's very flamboyant. Exactly, it. and it's like um one of my uh, another hero is um Oswald Botang. Mm. Love him, and mm. I, I actually bought his uh, documentary. He had a documentary talking mm. about it, and he was like, "How do you feel?" He went to Russia to do mm. like a fashion thing. I forgot what it's called now. It's the only do if you go on Amazon, yeah. it's the only documentary of him. And he goes, "You know, how do you feel? You're not you're the only person in the space, like black mm. person in the space." And he was historic. He went to was it Versace? I can't remember which one, but he was the first ever black director of these things. He goes, mm. it empowers me because he goes, I know all eyes are on me. It empowers me. It makes me feel stronger because I know I stand mm. out, and that's what we've kind of got to do. It's, it's again, it's a mindset thing, and I'm glad mm. you're meeting. And for me as well, I'm now I've done this. It's put me in contact with people like you yeah, and whatnot, and, and it makes you realize that wow, it's not you're not by yourself in mm. doing this. And as I said again. And something I really want to touch on as well, and I think this is really, really important, is like yourself, because the great thing about barking was barking was very multicultural. Mm. So you learn, and I, that's one skill I think um, it helped me to develop, because you learn to talk to people on all levels, because yeah. it's very, you've got You Asians, learn to talk in different blah, 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 blah. accents. Exactly. Wait, let me ask you a quick question. Were you yeah. one of those people, so like, so gr growing up in the ends, whenever I, like, I run into the Polish, I put on a Polish accent. Yeah. Whenever I run code into switching. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was always code switching. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like, it's a natural thing. It's and, a skill. It's a, it's I just realised I was just doing it without thinking about it. Yeah, okay, good. No, but you know what? You've got to meet people on their level. And I think, again, mm. if you, if you and that's the problem is because you've got to meet people on their level. You've mm. got to know how to navigate and we all do it. I think as a, I think Dave Chappelle said it, black people already automatically know two languages, hood and corporate. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You've you got to, to know, up, you yeah. have to switch it up <laughs> yeah. sometimes, but it's like, you realise that, and this is what I want to say, this is in terms of evolution of the community mm. because I really, really, I, I really want to make this, make this point really, really um, well known. 
um, I like, again, what Stormzy said because they accused him of saying, you know, this Cambridge thing, he mm. got a lot of controversy oh, for racist, this. Yeah. They said he's racist. Mm. He goes, and he put it on his song. He goes, I'm not anti-white, I'm pro-black. Mm. There's a difference. He goes, you know, and when I look at all the support and the people that have put me on, the majority of them have been white people, you know. Mm. I have to say, and again, I'm not scared of controversy. I just tell my truth. Mm. You understand? When I've gone, I won't, I, I, I won't mention names, but I've gone to quite some prolific, you know, black mm. people and I've said, look, I'm writing this. I need your help. I've got nothing from them. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I have to shout out a, a, a Viv Gorsgrop again. Mm. This woman was a broadcaster. She speaks to Hillary Clinton, mm. everything. I went to an event. I had my books on me, you know, I got chatting with her. She was like a training event. I gave her a book. I didn't expect anything of it. I got the the, the most beaming reference from Amazing. this woman. Beaming. Mm. And she goes, you know, I love your attitude. I love the way you approached it. So if you go on my Twitter, mm. you see that I've put pinned her it. thing. Yeah, 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 I pinned yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Mm. And I thought, wow, this woman is, in, you know, known. She shared stage with Graham Norton. She's mm. spoken to all these guys. And within 10 minutes of meeting, she put, I didn't even ask her. I just gave mm. it to her like that. But sometimes when you're dealing with your own people, in my experience, mm. sometimes it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to deal with your own. They can't yeah. put you on like I think, is, is that crabs in a barrel analogy again? It's, and it's, it's sad. Yeah, it's and that I'm, relative competition against your, your, your own. Your own, yeah. You know, I'll it's say, really I'll, sad, yeah. I'll say, you know what, it's, I'll say one thing. I, the person will remain nameless, but this burned me, right? Mm. In the sense, um, uh, so I approached an individual, quite prolific um, black individual, UK mm. individual. And like yourself, I just contacted mm. them. Um, what happened? So I contacted this individual. He, um, the individual got back to me mm. and he said, you know, how can I help you? And I just said, you know, this, da, 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 da. I got no response. But I said, I'll send you a free book. Mm. I sent the individual a free book. And then um, I got a letter back saying, this individual doesn't work here. I was like, mm. why? If I checked on the guy's website, I checked the guy's website and I, mm. I said, this is the thing. Mm. This is the address. This is, everything's right said, no, he's never ever worked here. And I just thought in my head, you see those type of things. You know what I'm saying? I thought, mm. so I said, just return the book. Just return. They returned the book to me. But I thought, so what are you really about? Are you really mm. this person that, you know, you, you're portraying yourself? Mm. Because you're putting something saying, these are my offices. Mm. I sent something and they say, you've never worked here. That's, mm. and that put a really bitter taste in my mouth. Yeah. In that sense of, we should be empowering each other to do better. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that, empower each other to do better. But sometimes, and again, I'm, I feel like I'm really um, putting our dirty laundry out there. Mm, sometimes, it, but it's, it's, we need to talk about these mm. things. Sometimes it's that thing of, we need to learn to celebrate each other more. Mm. And I'm saying, look, I always say jealousy, there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Yeah, definitely. Jealousy is a natural emotion, like anger, mm. lust, laughter, sadness. Mm. So again, jealousy is like saying, oh man, Francis has got this podcast. It focuses on the thing. Mm. Francis has got this podcast, man. Oh, I wish I had that. Mm. Everybody, oh, Francis got that nice car. Mm. That's natural. You're not, you're human. Envy something different. Mm. Instead of focusing on the thing, you focus on the person. Yes, yeah. Why has Francis got this podcast? Mm. Why Francis? I'm, I grew up with him in Gate. Mm. Does he think he's better than me? Do you see the different thought yeah, process there? Definitely. Why has Francis got that nice car? And that is the problem. It's that, fear of and again this is a, a cultural thing is that more often than not they don't let many of us through <laughs> right mm. so there's that one person so he has to guard 
yeah. his space or her yeah. space. Yeah. So it's like, I've, got, I've worked yeah. my way into this chair yeah. and now you're coming along. Can you help me? Nah, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want to be the housekeeper here. You ain't coming into my house. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've worked hard. So if mm. I get up out of this chair, you're going to try and jump in my mm. chair. And I think that is what we've got to do. And that's why even with me, I'm trying to focus on mm. how can I uplift? I'm not perfect at it. Yeah. But how can if somebody comes to me for help, how can I help them? How mm. can I uplift? How can I, I put people through? Because as you said, if we don't come together, mm. you know, one of us is getting through the door and then they're locking the door. In fact, mm. knowing well, no, <laughs> what some of us are going through the door, they're locking the door and saying there was never any door. Why are yeah, you knocking yeah, it? Yeah. Rubber, I just see you going there. <laughs> nah, you're no, talking rubbish. You, talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? What we've got to do is one of us has mm. got to say, all right, cool, open the door. I'll put my foot in the door. You bust go it through, open. bust yeah. it open. Let's yeah. go and get into that house yeah. there. Let's do that. And that's what we've got. And the thing is there, there is, there is enough. It's that scarcity mindset which so, annoys yeah. me because there is actually enough. enough. Do you know what I mean? We can all eat. We can all really do well. We can all like elevate each other. But it's that scarcity mindset that now nah, maybe if he takes a bite out of my cake, then that's it. Like the cake will run out. Like, because yeah. we don't own anything. Yeah, and yeah. If, we, if we come as owners, and this is why I love... Um, I watched the thing with Rapman mm. and Rapman was invited. I didn't realise he signed with Jay-Z. Yeah, he signed he to Jay-Z's, yeah. I yeah. don't know, what not. So what Jay-Z said to him, because Jay-Z saw like Shira's story and that, mm. and he said, all right, I'm having a, 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 a they do this black he does it, yeah, dinner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah, said, yeah. Rapman, come, mm. come through, come through. So he goes, he goes, I was seeing there, Pharrell was there, Diddy was there, um, you know, um, Swiss Beats was there, Alicia Keys, um, obviously Beyonce, all that. And he goes, the energy. And he said, the beautiful thing was even talking, they were talking about all of us coming through, the mm -hmm. energy, they were cutting deals. But it's just that, he goes, that gave me, he goes, when I come back to the UK, mm. I felt superhuman. So he told a wicked story where he goes, after that, Steven mm. Spielberg said, He's doing um, Blue Story. Mm. Steven Spielberg apparently said to him, you know what, we want you to direct, like Steven Spielberg's production company oh, said, we want to give you some projects, but mm. you're going to have to leave Blue Story. Mm. You're going to have to, and he goes, nah, I can't. Come I can't on. do this. This is, I've got to do this for the culture. You know, but he goes, I would have not had that. That's Steve, you're turning down that's Steven the, that's Spielberg. Yeah. Exactly. The, arguably one of the greatest directors mm. ever lived. You're turning, but he goes, after seeing that, he goes, that he goes, if it was now like he was still doing Shari, he would have said, Oh, I'm gonna have to just allow it. You know what I mean? But it's that thing of I have to complete this. And now obviously, arguably, that's and and what he said, which was wicked, was he turned him down, he thought, Oh, that's the end. It's mm -hmm. the end. Stephen said, All right, I understand. I will wait for you, finish your project, your thing, yeah. and then we'll come back and we'll start yeah. talking. But look at that. He he started from you know, just shooting videos mm. and now he's thrown him into the upper echelons. Yeah. And he's putting other people and obviously Michael Ward, mm. brilliant in Top Boy. He killed it. Killed yeah, it. He's yeah. killed it in, 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 in Blue Story. You know, these are the things that we need to, to, to consistently do. Mm. You know, these are the things Tyler Perry bought in Idris Elba. Mm. I didn't even know that because um, Tyler Perry got the star, Hollywood star. Okay, and Idris yeah. Elba went there to give a speech mm. and he was saying that after he did The Wire, all he got was gangster roles. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm getting typecasts. But he did a film called Daddy's Little Girls. Oh, yeah. And he goes, it was the first film like where he's just an ordinary just guy that's just a working guy that's looking after his kids. And he goes, that, he goes, if it wasn't for Tyler Perry, mm -hmm. he goes, that's where it got him that, you know, he can do, he just have a he can do any role yeah. he wants now. But he goes, that was the role that made people say, you know what, I can do different things. And he goes, I credit my career to Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. And Tyler Perry just said, 
all I've done is I'm just helping everybody get across. Yeah. He goes, I've been blessed because obviously he's very religious. He goes, mm. I feel my blessings have come not because I'm greedy. It's because I want people to do well. Yeah. I want people to to go forward. And it's such a, and I think maybe I'm wrong because I'm not amongst them. But when I look at the Americans, that inspires me. That is mm. what makes me think, okay, I've done this. I've wrote this because people are complaining about, oh, we're getting rubbish teachers and mm. teachers don't understand that's their racist. So I said, all right, let me write a book that will help them to mm. understand you, that will help other people. Mm. And hopefully we can just come up as a movement. And that's Amazing. what I believe. Carl, you know that's I mean? an absolutely beautiful way of ending it. Man. I know, I know, like, man. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's been super like informative for myself. And, <laughs> and I really like to encourage everyone to go and check out the book, The Action Hero Teacher, definitely. I'm going to pull the links below as well. The Thank you, to Amazon and make yeah. sure everyone checks out. I love the cover, by the way. It looks like is it bro you know what let me tell you something real quick about that it? quick story because yeah. I love a lot of like I know I don't even care people can get well, into me yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 and I, you know what the wickedest yeah. thing is the funny thing was I was looking at all the other covers and it's all very buttoned up and I yeah. always said and I can't remember who said it but somebody said if you're going to fail mm. fail big fail as yourself mm. bring your own unique character to it so I got a, a graphic artist to, yeah. to create that for me spent quite a bit of money but you know what made me laugh was that when I give that book mm. automatically it's like we haven't seen a book like this I haven't seen a cover like this I haven't seen a cover like this yeah. so you've got to you've got to bring your own uniqueness to the fore so I was like if I was going to fail I'd, I'd rather fail being me mm. than fail trying to copy somebody else so yeah, yeah go out and then Boy, in the future, mm. there's another project, but I'm going to keep it top oh, secret. But there's another project yeah, coming. I was going to say that we're definitely going to catch up again because I feel like there's so much more that we to need unpack. to we need to unpack and need to cover. So, yeah. but I mean, we've already gone two hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it. You're going to have a nightmare of um, editing. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh no, trust me. And the thing is, sometimes when you, when you're involved in these sort of engaging like conversations okay. and you're learning from someone who's coming from a background which is un yeah. like quite similar, similar to yourself, and then you're from clicking. East. Come on, east side. Like, <laughs> see, we're still ripping after talking about all the issues involved. In ripping it's embedded. Boy, in, it's embedded boy, in us. Yeah, exactly. Like I could wear a suit and tie and rock up in a corporate meeting, but I'll still be thinking East Seven. Like, yeah, 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 East Seven. It's yeah, so yeah. crazy. Yeah, but yeah, it's all, it's all stuff to discuss, stuff to unpack, and stuff to like educate and inform people about. Yeah, and in man. particular, those that need to know, those that need to be yeah, the knowledge man. needs to be brought to. But yeah, hundred percent, I'd like to catch up with you again. But um, Please, yeah, really brother. appreciate everything that you brought forward today, and appreciate the early Thank Christmas you. gift as well definitely no. <laughs> blessings Thank man you. appreciate but it as I said like, I just want to big up this man right here oh, as I said it, he's man. doing it for the community yeah, um, and you know you don't realise as I said again you might not feel it sometimes or see mm. it but people are looking to you mm. and people are looking at you and thinking rah you you know Francis inspires me so much I'm inspired being it that's why I've spent time you know two hours of conversation mm. so I look at what you're doing and I think and how I know it's a good thing is like, man I wish I did that. You know what I'm mm. saying? But you have just taken it and you're taking the baton forward mm. and you're bringing, uh, you know, you're highlighting all these people like um, Craig, Craig Pinkford and, mm. and uh, D uh, Dr. Tony and all these type of guys. So you don't realise what you're doing for the culture. So I just want to mm. encourage you in that. And yeah, oh, 2020, that, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm definitely buzzing for the, ne for the next year because um, yeah. this year was like it... For me, in terms of the podcast, even though I feel like I've done well in developing my podcasting skills and, and organically growing yeah. my audience, I just feel like I, have, I wasn't as consistent as I should be. You're and sure. we know how the algorithm works. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, in order for me to get the product in front of the people, I need to be on board, board. with yeah. so many things. And like that's what I'm looking to take into next year. That's no my problem, 2020 bro. thing for the podcast. Like Every week, hitting them with the content, getting more in get engagement and more involved with like the social yeah. media stuff. Because there's eyes and ears that want to 
yeah. bring forth to the podcast for them to see what's out there and, and introduce Definitely. them to the people that I'm inspired by, like yourself, and I'm highly inspired by you. And yeah. I'm going to read your book and then probably attack you with loads of messages <laughs> and, and phone calls. Attack but, away, brother. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely what I'm going to do next year because I feel like I'm 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 I f- I'm yeah. onto something. You are, yeah. you are. Yeah. As I said as well, big up Freezer Social. I think no, that definitely we're, my guys, man. Yeah. Appreciate them for hooking up. As well. No yeah. problem. As I said, you know, we're a real cultural zeitgeist, and I mm. think it's really, really the last point I'll say is it's really. I don't want to get too political. Mm. I'm not like hardcore Jeremy Corbyn or whatnot, mm. but there's something in the air, mm. and it's not a good thing in the air at the moment. Mm. There's a, a lot of backlash in terms of you know people like different types of people and stuff. So you've got on one hand you've got you know a lot of us are coming through in the yeah. different areas, but on the other hand you've got this tension with you know this anti-immigrant stance yeah. and whatnot, what have yeah. you. And it's as the I rhetoric said, and everything rhetoric pushed and it's very yeah. yeah and what and I think why is important is so people can look at you, look mm. at freezer social, look at different people and say you know what as I said everybody I like what you said earlier in terms of if everybody comes together and brings their ideas mm-hmm. I don't, and everybody respects the source, mm. that's where it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That is where it, it comes together. And I think that's what makes the UK, you know, one of my heroes is Idris Alba. Mm. And I just love the way that he's just managed to do everything. He's DJing, he's yeah, doing all this type of stuff, but he also, always yeah. reps the UK. Definitely. He always reps where yeah. he's from, you know, and he's from um, East as well. Yeah. You know, so that's what we've kind of got to do. So, you know, whenever you need me, mm. I'm here, bro. I appreciate that. Likewise as well. Likewise. Yeah. Boom. Appreciate that, Carl. That was that was dope. <laughs>